What's up, everyone? Welcome to Game Face, episode 93 on Sifted Games. Here with my good friend, hey. Brandon Jones, man. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Good to have you on. Good to be on. How's Good's life happening. treating you? Life's pretty great. Yeah? Uh, yeah, we were, we were talking a little bit before about that, like, post-E3, just like, ah, oh, the coast. Um, yeah, definitely focusing well, more on work great, now. It's not... great for your time, but right. not so great for traffic. Nope. I know yeah. in the last couple of weeks, we've or seen our traffic topics. start to go down. Yeah, yep. or, yeah, or putting together a show that yep. people actually want to watch. It's a little bit of a challenge. But it's nice. Uh, I, I mean, I'm looking ahead at like October and there's like yeah. five games I want to review all at the same time. And so now, you know, July is pretty tame. Honestly, <laughs> I think these are like the last two weeks, though, because mm -hmm. even in the next couple of weeks, we have a couple big betas that are coming out. Yeah. We've got the Destiny 2 beta and a couple yeah. others that uh, will certainly generate some topics for shows. But yeah, right now, man, last week, last week was worse than this week. We had to do like crazy, like off kilter topics just to have a show last week. So. We actually have some good stuff uh, on this one. Uh, I want to kick things off by kind of catching up with you. You have not been on Game Face since before Defy completely dissolved GT. Right. Last time you were on, you were still working at GT on, with Defy. Right. Um, and since then, obviously, you've launched Easy Allies. Congratulations. You guys Thank have you. done an amazing job over there. Um, what's been going on lately with the Allies? Um, it's crazy. It's, it's, I think the biggest shift, you know, from game trailers was just kind of applying like what, what type of stuff we want to do. Um, obviously like, I think the first thing to go is our, our uh, GT countdown. It was like our top 10. Yeah. Cause that was just like getting that done every single week. It's making, also redundant. Trying you know, to make, trying like to pick up a so new many, topic. Every YouTube channel does lists now. And, right. And in all honesty, it's like, it's, it's a self-defeating -de type of content because the more you do, the harder it is to come up with a new one yeah. and the more obscure the new ones become. I think even when I was at GT, before I left it, you know, early 2013, like, we had already kind of plumbed the depths of, yeah. like, top tens. And it's just kind of like, a, it just dwindles out organically yeah. on its own. And every now and then I remember we would do, like, a custom one. Like, I remember Rob Kirkovich... Um, uh, and I did to the top ten Star Wars games, and we like it was a labor of love. We did like special numbers, those Star Wars themed, yeah, and, yeah. Like, <laughs> and like it goes up, and all the comments are like you should do more like that. And it's like you, meaning the ones where we do way more work than we right. should. Yeah, like, yeah. We're up late at night. That are not worth the views that you get in yeah. return for them. So it was it was it was interesting having some things transitioning from game shows to Easy Allies, and people would say like, oh, you know, I uh, like uh, Final Bossman. We don't do anymore. Kyle Bossman used to have his own show. And, Why doesn't and, he do his and, own uh, show anymore? Um, Kyle's Kyle's funny. Kyle. Uh, one of the the most difficult things uh, to determine going in was what we'd be able to commit to week in week out, um, regardless of, of what happens in the industry, right. regardless of what else we want to focus on. Uh, and I think Kyle was like, I don't know if I can deliver that uh, because when we first started, we weren't sure like, is this going to be my job in a year? I don't right, know. Is this right. going to be something like for some of us? Does this make sense to be more of just like a hobby than actually like doing something like this full time? And so I think because he was kind of on that edge, he's like, I don't want to say. Yeah, I'm bringing my show back. It was really popular. You know, it's it, we're back, baby. And then like yeah. a month later, like get some great writing gig on some show and be like, I can't. You know, is that what he's I trying to do as a vocation to become a writer on sitcoms or? Um, I think he's always putting himself out there. Definitely much more, I think, than a lot of us uh, as a yeah as a as a host and a comedic personality. Oh, okay. Um, as he, an on-camera and, and he does writing and sketch work and improv and stuff like that. You know, on the side. I think we all kind of have like little little ventures on the side. But yeah. Um, uh, yeah, he started doing a show. He did mm -hmm. um, what was it called? Boston, Boston at, at home. home, right? Yeah. And why did he not just want to keep doing that? Because you know, I think one thing we've kind of discovered over the last few years is that 
a lot of the frivolities of video production don't necessarily matter anymore. Yeah. It's like, you know, him shooting that in his kitchen, did it when really we, did it really lessen the impact of the show at We all? shoot everything in my garage. Yeah. And I was so nervous when we first started. I was like, oh, no. Like, so many of our fans are just going to laugh at us or run screaming and be like, well, yeah, oh, well. Yeah, because you're used to... The money that yeah. we had at GT, where you had right. a nice set and you had all this great gear. And so you na- had- now we're actually close to a Patreon goal where we might get a, a studio, might get like an office space. Uh-huh. And it's funny now that lo- like it's the opposite. A lot of people are like, "I'll miss the garage." <laughs> and I'm like, "Okay, <laughs> I bet your wife won't miss yeah, you guys no. being in the garage." She's been great, actually. She's yeah, yeah she's. Uh, you never she's even got any of these subtle hints, like, "Hey, it might be time <laughs> to wrap it up out there." We streamed a little bit. We did. Uh, we streamed Bridge Crew the other day. Yeah, solo. Nobody at the controls. Yeah. We're both in the headset. Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the stream could have died i don't know yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, but she, she's okay with you guys kind of <laughs> hogging up the garage she hasn't subtly yeah. said it might be time to like they've get been, a space or yeah, they've been all really great you know we're, we're rowdy but uh you know we're we're uh yeah they don't, they don't they don't break anything yeah the, the weird thing the only thing that's that uh, still cracks me up is like the errant like coke can that was been opened and sipped once yeah you know and then like, you, well, there's well, like bees fly out of it like, we'll get together it up. we'll get together like you know tuesday night every week we do a group stream uh on twitch and uh it just always cracks me up when i leave and it's just like there are more open bottles than people yeah <laughs> It's like, how did, well, did you what forget where the is, bottle was? Well, I think what happens one? is people open it, yeah. and they sit it down, right. and then they don't remember which one right. is theirs, and they're afraid that they're going to drink someone else's and get sick or like whatever. Like squirrels bearing yeah. nuts for the winter. <laughs> that <laughs> they forget where they are. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Uh, but, uh, but things are great. The, uh, the biggest thing is I was so buried in my work at Game Trailers, and a lot of great content came out of that, but at the same time, I, I had nowhere near the connectivity to our community that I do right, now. And right. that's like been the, the huge difference is having almost every type of show that we do having some kind of conversation, you know, like some kind of Q&A component where uh, we're either always taking questions or answering them or responding to questions from yeah. before. And so uh, having that change in format has been great. But not only that, having, you know, going into our second year now and uh, having those conversations continue. And well, I think uh, one thing that's great about sort of working on a smaller publication what is exactly what you're saying, the connection with the users. Yeah. Um, on GT, it's it's like, you know, we'd put up an episode of Invisible Walls, it would do 120,000 views, and it would have like 900 comments. And you're just like, I can't even begin mm-hmm. to start to respond to people. Because yeah. it's like, how do you pick and choose the people that you respond to and the people that you don't? Right. Um, and so there's not like that guilt that kind of holds you back when you're working on a smaller publication. And you have, most of, most of the time, you have the time to actually engage with everybody. Um, and streaming as well, it's like the most dedicated users of your publication or your site or whatever are tend to be the ones that show up for the live stream and a lot of people will watch the live stream and then they'll watch the archive as well but what happens is you get really respectful comments you you don't have the every once in a while you get the yahoo that comes in and says f you or whatever Uh, but for the most part the people that are on the stream that are commenting on the stream are good people uh, who are asking great questions you'll see at the end of this show the questions that they ask are always amazing uh, very thoughtful very insightful um, and I also think that's kind of another part of it, too, is that when you run something smaller, you don't get as much of the internet rabble. Mm-hmm. Um, it's particularly for us because we're a subscription site for our original content. So you don't get a lot of the jerks, in all honesty. Like, you kind of get the creme de la creme. People who are willing to pay for content tend to be a little more civilized. It's kind of a boring place for jerks to hang out. It is. You know, because yeah. they don't, like, they're, the sparks that they try to make don't catch fire well, quickly. And, and because, again, our audience is a little bit older as well. Yeah. Again, because it's a subscription, so it kind of yeah. filters out the, the people who just want to get everything for free. Right. And so they know what a troll is, yeah. and they know what trolls do. And when a troll comes into our chat, people just ignore them. And then they 
leave. Because <laughs> all they're looking for is it's attention. Funny, it's fun to notice that during E3, because our traffic, yeah. you know, quadruples for like five days. Yeah. And people kind of come out of our community, you know, being kind of brash and pushy. And then they're like, oh, oh, wrong place. Sorry. No, like, <laughs> they get squeezed right like, out. Yeah. They're like, oh, I don't fit in here. You so know? it's pretty great. I need to go somewhere else where there's people like me who so, are jerks, essentially. So yeah, when we, when we have growth, it's exciting. But at the same time, like, I don't, I'd like to grow. There's more stuff we could do. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's not an emergency. It's yeah, not, you know. I mean, well, as long as you're making enough money to do what mm-hmm. you want to do, it's fine. Um, but yeah, the bigger you grow, the higher the chances of sort yeah. of that rabble coming in and being a part of the community. And in some ways, you can change people. Yeah. You know, we've had people who came come on to Sifted, and at first, they're that way. Mm-hmm. They're internet. Yeah. <laughs> and then after they stick around for a while, they realize, like, that isn't what, that's not what this place is about. You know, mm-hmm. this is a place where people want to talk about games as adults and be respectful to each other. Um, and they, I think they also start to see the kind of conversation that can manifest from that. If you want to get a good response. Yeah. You can be a troll anywhere, but if you yeah. actually want to, like, have people respond to you and meet interesting people. And, and I think people can change yeah. that way. They can be like, wow, I, like, you know what? I never realized I wanted this until I discovered it. Something very eye-opening was at our one-year anniversary, a uh, fan came up to me and, and said, I'm, I kind of like games. Yeah. You know, that's not really why I'm here. You know, like, I've just met, you know, so many great people in this community. Yeah. And, and it's, I, I think one of the things that makes me so happy is seeing the community just coast. You know, like, seeing, yeah. they're like, we're fine. We're good. Like, yeah, yeah. We, we, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll create our own events and, and we'll get together, um, you know, and uh, uh, find uh, uh, popular interests, things that we enjoy together. And it's neat seeing little, like, friendships and alliances formed in the community. Yeah, and you guys kind of step outside of gaming a little bit. You do, like, yeah. a, like some tabletop stuff. And... Oh, we just create, yeah, we do. Uh, Ian just started a movie podcast this year. We do once a month. We build Gundams for four hours. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And people go nuts. Really? Like, yeah. Four hours of literally just, you know, like, like at the extreme. end, people are like, that was great. Aren't there like, <laughs> like ex- right? I mean, the close-ups you need to really see Yeah, yeah we got a close-up on the, yeah, close-up cam. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, well, the guys were late a couple times, so I was like, I'll break a Lego set out. Sure, I'll yeah. build some Legos. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing about our audience is that it does kind of span all of pop culture. It's Mm -hmm. not just about gaming. It's about anime and manga and toys and film and television. And we're starting to see a lot more crossover in television and film with games, even more than we ever saw before. Uh, the Castlevania show just launched today on Netflix, yeah. which I'm like itching to like get out of here oh my God, yeah. and go back, go home yeah. and watch. Apparently, you can binge it in like a night, so I'm pretty excited about that. They just announced there's an Assassin's Creed animated show yeah, coming okay. to Netflix. Um, so we're starting to see a lot more crossover that way. It's like Sifted really right now is 100% games. Like we'll mm-hmm. curate stuff if it's a trailer for a movie that's game related and stuff like that. Uh, ultimately, the goal is to have more channels, have an entertainment channel and a sports channel and politics. Cool. But right now, it's just about games. And, and even we're starting to loosen our reins a little bit on what we'll curate to the site. is Because there is like that tangential kind of appeal for other stuff for gamers. And, mm-hmm. uh, and it's good that you guys are kind of attacking that. So you, got, you just launched a new show, right? You just hit another milestone on Did. Patreon and launched a new show. Scoring trailers, which is another thing. Talk about the countdown that we I, I put so far down because it's like, yeah. you know, we're was game, it because was it because you didn't want to do it? No, it was just <laughs> I wanted to because that was me. That was something that I I mean I I founded game trailers with some buddies and so it was like and it was actually Ryan Stevens. Kudos to Ryan Stevens who came into my office one day and he's like, you should have a show where you score trailers, like grade yeah. them. And I was like, you know, I worked at game trailers. Yeah, right? you remember that? I remember where. <laughs> but it was I didn't know if you if if you knew Ryan was, brought that yeah, up. Yeah, like that course, was Ryan's yeah. idea, and I was like. 
Of course. Why don't you have to tell the story that? to so many people that you're just like, most, usually the people don't know anything about it. Like, yeah. you just told me you founded game trailers. Right. And I'm like, yeah, no, I, but I know yeah, that. I'm just, yeah, to the, I should turn to the camera when I say it. Um, uh, but, uh, and so, yeah, when we switched over to Easy Allies, it's like, I don't want to just default start doing that yeah. because um, I want to focus on stuff that I think fits, you know, our new audience and fits, you know, who we are. Like, we very intentionally, oh. like, just like you were saying, to broaden your horizons, I'm glad that we don't have game in the title anymore, that it is just Easy Allies. Yeah. So, like, we can. That helps. We definitely. can do. Was can, that a part of the thinking, things. or did it just work out that way? Uh, no, that was definitely a part of it. Would be like, let's try not to have game in there somewhere. I mean, we did the um, same thing with Sifted. Like, yeah. people were always like, "Why isn't it called like Game Sort or right. something like that?" Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Because we, we wanted eventually to be a site that sifts through more than right. just video game related content. Whether we ever get there or not, who yeah. knows? But that was the idea from the beginning. It, it's too short sighted to just kind of trap yourself in the games moniker, and we'll get into that at the end of the show, kind of where games coverage is going. But right. uh, just want to spend a little time uh, catching up with you and kind of, you know, there may be people on the stream that only watch our stuff and don't watch right. yours and want to kind of figure out what you guys have been doing over there. Although we do curate all your stuff to the site. And it is probably, no, not surprisingly, some of the most popular stuff that we curate. Cool, thank you. Um, Thanks for watching. Everybody. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They love your stuff. So, um, But yeah, back to scoring trailers. So we, we the show's had three different titles. It was originally called Let's All Go to the Trailers. Yeah. Which was you Ro- pitched which that is, for which years. Was Ro- which was Rohan's idea. Yeah. That was his title. And then uh, switched it up, and we went, went over to Defy purely just to try to get more downloads. So we didn't like do like, oh, we'll score a bunch of trailers. We did them single, like one by one by one, to get the SEO out there. And, yeah, you know, yeah. Have them like, you know, uh, just find the show that way. Then called it Trailer Score, and now it's called Trailer Jones, which is also my Twitter handle. And uh, yeah, did one episode. They're gonna do that one at least once a week. And it's like scoring trailers, but not. It's not like Rewind Theater on IGN, where it's like, okay, let's really get in because we're all masters of this franchise. It's like, how is the trailer? How's the music? Wait, how's wait, the wait. Titles? You mean it's not like pop? Block from Game Trailers. Right. <laughs> Wait, let's not. Let's, well, let's, that, that exi- that, that, uh, Pop Block has not been around for. There's not right, been a, but a trailer we, has we, not been we, Pop Block. We created that content first with Pop sure. Block, and then they just took the idea, like they've done a bunch of times with GT right. content, and renamed it. And, blah, blah, blah. Um, and the big difference is what they did is they actually like stop and, and play head. They through. have like the time code or whatever. But yeah. we, uh, this is more about the actual construction of the trailer and kind of like, was there a better way to sell this and not let's find out more about the game from this tiny piece of media yeah and there's a lot to go in the trailers yeah, not a lot of people are doing that and it's yeah. an extremely nerdy specific thing so i'm like i'll just put that way down in the goal yeah. chart and if this you know if this gets to that point great and, but that's uh, been a passion for you for it. forever like i remember I our it. game of the year awards yeah. or our best of e3 or our best of gamescom uh when we always did like a best trailer award like yeah. we always basically just leaned on you we're yeah. like the first and thing it, we would say i would say was Jones, what do you think? In a lot of <laughs> yeah, in a lot of the big like awards uh, deliberations that would take several days, I would just kind of walk in with my briefcase during that one trailer section and be like, "Okay, gentlemen," and, like <laughs> hand out the forms. And, like, all right, that okay. And then I would get up and leave. Yeah, we um, lean on you. Then we would lean on Bloodworth for racing games. <laughs> but it's it's the elevator pitch. It's just yeah. it's it's everybody puts everything into it, um, and so it's. Um, it's really interesting to, to look at that moment to be like, okay, I wasn't excited about this. Why? Or, yeah. wow, this was just one dumb shot, and now I'm just freaking out about this game. Why? You know, what did they do to me? Yeah. <laughs> well, we have a trailer of the week every week on Game Face, and uh, your first episode actually was our trailer of the week from last week. Nice. Yeah, it was, uh, what was it again? It was the. Uh... Oh, boy. <laughs> You get talking about one thing, you get your brain. Oh, StarCraft set. Remastered. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah the, the guy on the beach. Yeah, the, yeah. It's a crazy trailer. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> but last week, I mean, you picked a really bad week to kick off your show. Right. Because last week was one of the worst weeks for trailers. Like, since we launched Sifted, I'm not kidding. Like, I looked at trailers for like 45 minutes and I'm like, I guess this is the best one. Right. 
Well, that was the other thing too. Is that when you know we scored trailers were at, at game trailers because we had this you know like flood of of media yeah. coming in every day, and so yeah. it was like okay, I'll just pick a couple and then we'll score those. Whereas like we're not hunting for that stuff yeah. now, and so it's like okay, we have gotten the community more involved. It's like I actually need you to suggest this stuff. You just so. got to sift it. And seriously, yeah. just sift by trailers and sure. by and by a week because you do it every week. Yeah, and we we don't miss any trailers. But even just watching it. <laughs> Yeah, you know. I mean, you can get a pretty good idea what the good ones are just yeah. by looking at how many one-ups they get on Sifted mm-hmm. and how many comments there are. Um, but yeah, just sort, just sort by trailers and then by week, and it'll show you every trailer that came out that week, and at least give, it narrows it down and cuts down your time. Yeah. I can't think of anywhere else where you can do that, so yeah. it should help you a good bit. So once again, congratulations on everything Thank going you, on over there, man. Really, really happy Thank for you, you guys. Really proud to see all you guys doing this stuff. Um, you know, some of the guys were like interns when I was at right. GT. <laughs> Um, or like had just started interning when I left GT. It's been amazing watching all those guys spread their wings. Ian, who was just an editor when I was there, watching mm-hmm. him br- branch out and do a bunch of different stuff. Uh, it's been great. So congratulations and keep it up. Let's get into the show proper, people. So yesterday, uh, Nintendo did a massive Nintendo Direct for Splatoon 2. Right. It was like 45 minutes long or something like that. Um, they Nintendo had kind of kept the game under wraps up until this point, kind of dripping out new information about it here and there. Yesterday, we got the whole shebang. Um, I don't know if you guys have got it yet, but I think I just got the code for Splatoon review code, like, okay. literally while I was sitting here, like, setting up. So all the journalists are about to dig into this game. So they put out the Direct and then sent out the review code the next day. Did you get a chance to watch the Direct? I have not seen the Direct, no. Okay. Um, well, they basically spilled the beans on everything. Um, they showed the Hub World, which they kind of teased in a trailer before uh, a little bit. Um, but this, they basically walk through everything it does. It's like huge. It's much more alive. Um, there's a lot more sort of stops and shops that you can stop into. Um, it seems to be a lot more robust to me, at least. Um, they, w- they went over all the weapons. I mean, you're seeing the hub here right now. Um, they went over all the new weapons in the game. Um, there's these new uh, abilities called gear abilities in the game. Uh, there's a rank battle. There's league battles. So they're really kind of boosting their esports profile uh, with the Switch version of the game. Um, and then they showed Splatnet. So Splatnet is basically the full reveal of Nintendo Switch's online environment. Okay. Um, have you? I'm sure you've seen the diagram that shows you how the headsets are going to work for Switch, where you have like the headset. And then that's plugged into your phone, and then your phone is like plugged into the Switch, and it's this crazy like archaic system. I have not seen. You I've, haven't I've, seen I've, that. I've heard about it, but I've not actually seen a diagram. Oh yeah, they put the well, flux capacitor. Well, what happened was Hori has like um, there's some kind of like a dongle that you need to make it work, and okay. so Hori in Japan is starting to make those dongles. And uh, when Hori put out the first PR for those dongles, they released like this diagram showing you like how it worked. It's completely archaic. But Jones, do you think that matters? Uh, not for Nintendo right now, yeah. no, yeah, they'll still... <laughs> it really doesn't. Well, I, I guess, I, I don't know, I was not that into the, the first Splatoon. Um, I was not uh, either. I uh, played it for not, not it didn't look, and... Not because it didn't look great, but it just, um, uh, I was just not playing that console a lot, and, uh... Um, Who I'm, was? I'm just not, yeah, I'm just not that into games that are, uh, multiplayer for the, just for the sake of being multiplayer. Um... Uh, where you're just kind of going into a match, playing, and then that's fun. You know, it's like I look I mean, that's, a little more progression, leveling up, and stuff like that. And I mean, that's still kind of how this one is. Sure, uh, but I uh, think the campaign's a little more robust than the one that was in the first game. But it still looks just like a, a series of stages, kind of stitched together for the purpose of having a single player campaign. 
So I, I just don't know uh, the if voice was like something that people were really frustrated by. Like I know it was it was a talking point in the first platoon, but at the end of the day, I don't know if it's something where people looked back on their playtime with that and they're like, yeah, I really wish. Well, it that- is. A, look, it is a team-based game. Yeah, <laughs> and. Uh, if you're trying to organize team tactics mm-hmm. and you want to be good, I mean, especially now with this push into esports, yeah. I mean, I found it kind of ironic that in some of the first trailers for Switch, they pushed esports so much and showed kids with headphones on. And then we finally, it's revealed what you're actually going to have to do to use voice chat. And it's this strange, like, I mean, I don't get it. On the Switch, I could just plug a set of headphones that had a mic on it into the gamepad and I could talk to people online. Why do you think that they've gone back and made it even more? I mean, there's a huge barrier there now. You have to like, up, you have to open this app on your mobile phone, and like it somehow syncs to. It just seems not only is it harder for the players, it just seems way harder for Nintendo to implement. Well, what do you think? I mean, the system that you that everybody else uses, like what what do you think is the hurdle that? Is it just cost? That, like, you mean why Nintendo wants here? to do it this way? Yeah. I, I, don't, I mean, they had to build an app yeah. for this. Like, I don't see how that curtails costs in any way, shape, or form. I don't know. Like, there are a lot of crazy things about the Switch, like not getting, like, a, you know, like a video on demand service, the fact that I can't watch Netflix on the Switch. Like, there's yeah. a lot of the fact that they haven't really, you no know, gotten into. Yeah, no web browser. Haven't gotten into the virtual console and specifically how that stuff's going to work. Although and today, like, somebody hacked into the firmware and found hooks for for an, oh. NES, for an NES emulator inside ah, okay. Switch. So it appears that it's there. It's just when. Yeah. <laughs> Which, who knows? I mean, with the SNES Classic coming out, I don't see Virtual Console launching until they've sold the living crap out of that thing. Until all that inventory is gone. Which, it'll be gone as soon as it is pre- as soon as pre-orders go live on Amazon. It's going to be gone in 10 minutes. So, uh, maybe that means end of the year, something like that. Or maybe early 2018. I, I just see Nintendo making a lot of decisions that's them saying, like, we, don't, we just don't need this thing. You know, yeah. it's like, yeah, it might be something that you want. It might be something that you're looking for, and you might be confused that it's not there or it doesn't work the way that other uh, publishers do, but uh, uh, or, you know, uh, manufacturers do. Those were the gear abilities, by the we way. Do. Now we're looking at Splatnet. This is okay. them actually showing how the online is going to work. But yeah, we just don't care. You know, it's just not that important to us. Like, we're really going to focus on just these couple things and make sure that we get those right. And the, I think the Switch has done well. I mean, it's yeah. I, I really enjoy playing it. And, um, Are you surprised how well Switch I think it's had well some Switch fantastic games. Yeah, I was surprised. Seeing just Zelda at E3 was alarming to me. Yeah. <laughs> that was very bizarre. Yeah, yeah. Having, having one a, game. Having a company that big just bring one game and be yeah. like, that game better be amazing. And it's like, well, damn it, of course it is. <laughs> it's incredible. I'm completely shocked. I, uh, and I did it again this year with, with Mario Galaxy. I, I remember like walking into E3 and like, I don't know what it is, but it, like, it's kind of disappointing. Where I'm like, damn it, the game of the game of the show is going to be Mario. You know it, it is because everyone's going to get to play it. But it, there's a ton of there's a ton of the right. game there. But so it, you're experiencing more of that game than any other game at the show, yeah. like a, by a mile. But it makes me wonder if if you know a company like a Bethesda or Ubisoft or something is kind of realizing like, oh, maybe we maybe we put like way more attention into Assassin's Creed and kind of back off on everything else. Yeah, yeah. I wonder you if know? it will cause other publishers to kind of rejigger their strategy for, yeah. I mean, I don't see that ever happening at like Gamescom or something like that, but it might be a viable strategy for E3 going forward. If they're, yeah. I think the one thing with Nintendo is it's different because it needs its first party software to sell hardware. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like that's a kind of a differentiation between the third party publishers because they don't care about hardware. I mean, they do because they need the platform there to sell their games, but 
all these platforms now have matured. The install base is plenty for them to do well with any game at this point that they release it. So they don't have that incentive to convince people to buy the hardware. Mm -hmm. And Nintendo finally has figured out that really it's just a handful of different IPs that sell its hardware. I mean, it's Zelda, it's Mario, it's Smash Brothers, it's Mario Kart. And then, and so I wouldn't be surprised if you see kind of that single game E3 come from, like, whenever they finally get Mario Kart, the Switch version, the specific Switch version, ready to mm -hmm. show. I wouldn't be surprised. Or if it's Smash Brothers, when they finally have that ready to show. Right. If it's just Smash Brothers at E3. It's working. Um, before Switch launch, my prediction was 5 million sold worldwide by the end of the year. Okay. And uh, as of right now, my prediction looks terrible. <laughs> I mean, literally, it looks like it's just going to destroy that prediction. I am completely shocked by how well Switch has done. Uh, because to me, it's really just a Wii U that you can actually take outside of your house. I mean, but it, then it's... Well, it's, it's a tablet with controllers on the side. Yeah. <laughs> like a, you, can, you can build a Switch. You, you know, can, like you can't, yeah. You can't play Zelda on it, but like... Well, there are you know, mobile platforms out there that are the Switch already. Right. That, ha that are a tablet with the controller snapped onto the side of it. So I think they were very smart. I mean, you know, it's frustrating for them to push Zelda. I know this is technically Splatoon time. But, like, uh, you know, I think it was very smart for them to realize, like, when this thing launches, we can't just have games on it we, that just kind of show off the technology. And we can't, oh, yeah, like the motion, that's really neat. Or, like, yeah. the, you know, the, the rumble, force feedback, feels like there's something in there. You know, like, yeah. that's a night. And we can't yeah, yeah. sell this console on a game that's going to be fun for, like, a night or at a party and that's it. Like, we got to have one or two games on here that you can't cannot live without. Yeah. Uh, and so I think Zelda was just a huge part in that and uh, um, having that tied to that system and having people be like, I got to you know, play this. Like me having completely skipped Cyber Skyward Sword, not finished Twilight Princess and have devoured that game. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I just, well, you kind of have to. That game got There's me There's no dipping real your good. toe into Breath of the Wild. Yeah. Uh, it's like, I think you could probably play it for an hour and figure out whether or not it's for you. And if yeah. you decide it's for you, you just become completely consumed by the game. So I think if there were more games on the Switch that required voice chat, if it was something that was in demand for multiple titles, then yeah, maybe they would think of something that is kind of a catch-all that uh, either comes with the system or is easy to pick up. Yeah. But if it's just if they have like one or two really competitive Mario Kart shooters, yeah, Splatoon, but arms. even Mario Kart doesn't really have like you were saying the the co-opness. Right. They're like I need to you know yeah, communicate you it's not just, just to tell you you talking. suck, but yeah. like yeah. yeah. To, uh, to actually coordinate and do something. I wonder if Rabbids is going to require something like that, if they have like a co-op uh, mode in there, because that's very tactical and very, like, it is, yeah. every step you, you make in that game is... Uh, you need yeah, I mean, to that's, that's a good doing. point. It, I mean, Nintendo typically doesn't make a lot of competitive multiplayer games. A lot of the times they're cooperative, or if they are competitive, it's every man for himself and not sort of a team-based thing. Um, and I don't expect that we'll see a lot more after Splatoon 2 is released. Right. Um, I think Splatoon 2 is going to do really well. Sure. Uh, oh, yeah. And I think it's going to last probably with DLC. I mean, I thought Nintendo did a great job with DLC on the first Splatoon. Well, it's, I think it's going to last probably till the end of the Switch's lifespan just on the DLC alone. So there's a couple new characters that they announced yesterday yeah. too that they showed off for the first time, and like that. I mean, that I've heard that more than anything. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. go to my social feed and like I don't see Splatnet or gear abilities. You know, I see yeah. like oh, I love her. You know, yeah, yeah. Or there's this new weapon or yeah. whatever. Yeah, things that actually kind of have a bigger impact on the game itself, and I think on fandom in a lot of ways because it's there. It's all about the merchandising and sort of the cult, more cultural. Uh, buffer stuff that goes along with games these yeah. days, like the plushies. I mean, they're already showing like 
plushies from Japan of the brand new Splatoon characters. Right. I mean, merchandising has become a huge part of video oh, yeah. games. And the style of the characters from ARMS I thought was really great. Um, that game was fun. It's, it's not something I'm going to spend a lot of time with, but um, uh, I thought that that was a very expressive game. Uh, and I just think design-wise they're doing really good at showing that uh, there are different experiences to be had on this console. That it's not, you know, I remember like when Wii U got into like, the like, go play Arkham City for the fourth time. You know, right, it's just yeah. like... Uh, the, like the reasons you're selling me to check this, you know, the system out, um, and they don't uh, have to worry about that now. The no. Switch has no third-party support, so but they're, they're, other than indie stuff, it just mean it was like we said they don't, they don't have many games to talk about because yeah. they're really really focused on the games that they do have, and yeah, I think, I think it's working for them. And I think it's, I, I think the danger like though, and kind of looking on down the road, is when you rely on a game like Breath of the Wild to launch your console, which it did, and it did great, um, but. What happens when everyone's done with that? Well, what happens after the story DLC comes out later in the year? We're going to get into the first batch of DLC here shortly. Um, but what happens when Zelda has run its course? Yeah. And then Mario, everyone finishes Mario at the end of January. I think th that's going to be the Switch. I think Switch is going to be that system. And I don't think that's a horrible play for Nintendo. Is like, let's... Let's just not fill this up with a bunch of B minus experiences, so you eventually just completely forget about it. Yeah. But let me let, let's have something where you return to your PC, PS4, Xbox to play your main things. You know, throughout when when the, a new month pops up, you know, there's gonna be two or three really exciting games for them, and then you'll check in. Okay, what's my one game on Switch this, yeah. this month? Is that seems since launch there was really just one game a month, one big game. Yeah. Uh, you know, like the month that it was Street Fighter, I was like, okay. Uh, this is not going to be my Switch month. Or maybe I'll yeah. play a little bit more Zelda. Yeah. Um, and um, but does uh, but does that convince people to buy the hardware? I mean, yeah. Well, that's the thing. That, that's that's how once we, you once Mario comes out, people yeah. are, uh, people will look for Smash Brothers and Metroid Prime Four, which I'm completely geeked out over. Um, but it just it, it appears that Switch is falling into kind of the same trap that they had with the Wii U and to an extent the Wii. I mean, the Wii was obviously a phenomenon. Mm -hmm. But what happened with the Wii is a lot of people bought it. They got Wii Sports for free and they never bought a game after right. that. They just played Wii Sports over and over and over again. Uh, when you're talking about games like Zelda or Mario, those really aren't the type of games that you just keep playing over and over and over. Yeah. And I just... I just wonder what happens after everyone finishes Super Mario Odyssey, and then they're okay. Well, Metroid Prime's probably coming in 20, early 2019, is my guess anyway. Um, and the Smash Brothers, I think, will probably be out Q4 2018. Um, and I'm not a big Smash guy. I don't know if you are. I mean, uh, at GT, the I love Smash. I'm horrible at it, yeah. which is why I'm not a big Smash guy either. But uh, to me, what I look for is stuff like this is probably not a game that you've heard about, but like uh, I go to PAX. Uh, this last year, and I see a game called Mr. Shifty. No, I played where, Mr. Yeah, Shifty. Where you're Switch, like you're yeah. Nightcrawler, basically, just like yeah. flying around. And I was like, oh, this is great. And I'm like, this is a really fun indie game. I hope I hope I, I know when this comes out because I might miss it. Yeah. Uh, and this is definitely something that I want to play through and stream. And then I hear it's on Switch, and it's like, that's it. That's 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 the system I'm going to play this on. It's perfect. Why is that? Uh, because when because I play Mr. Shifty on Switch, it slowed down all the time and ran like crap. Performance-wise, <laughs> yeah, it's a totally different thing. But I yeah. think, um, which is actually kind of uh, a bummer because... It's a I very simple-looking game. I don't. Yeah, I mean, that's like, the developer's fault there. I mean, the yeah. Switch is perfectly capable right. of running that game yes. at a decent frame rate. But 
but like you look at something like the new Metro, and it's like probably not gonna be playing oh. on Switch. But it's like, <laughs> but like a fun uh, Has Been Heroes was a game that actually kind of bummed me out that I didn't end up uh, liking the pace of that. But because it was a game I saw, and I was like, this is coming to Switch. This is it's perfect to have this small indie game that uh, like the Final Station. I don't know if you played that on Steam. But yeah, like, yeah. I would love if that. Uh, was but are you on saying Switch. that the Switch is turning into the Vita there? I mean, because that's what. Yeah, I, I kind of, of look as the, the Switch is like extremes. Like, give me those huge big Metroid Prime Four, you know, things from Nintendo that'll take a, whole, a month and a month and a half for me to like finally finish. That maybe I'll do three or four times a year. Yeah. And then uh, I will make my own decisions on what these little tiny indie games that I want to check out specifically on this portable console. Um, and then, yeah, I'll play the rest of my stuff on other systems. So I think it's going to be those big re releases, that Metroid, that Smash Brothers, that Animal Crossing or whatever, to bring in these people. And then they think, okay, well, now I got this system. What do I play? Hopefully there is... Um, Hopefully they make a good indie push to be like this might not be something that you are going to play on your couch because when you sit down you want to play Persona Five or Assassin's Creed, yeah. but like if you're going to be leaving like instead of like oh well let me find those specific mobile games it's like no now you can pick up actually those weird PC games that you heard about that they didn't you're not getting some weird 3DS version right this is the game you know I just wonder if that will move hardware because a lot of those indie games right. you can play it on every platform I mean other than a few that do end up being exclusive, like most of them are on every freaking platform, including like iOS and Android. Um, and so once you kind of get through Mario there, I don't know that like, okay, I prefer to play indie games on Switch over these other things because they do work well as, a, as a portable games. But when you're talking about spending 300 some dollars on a platform, sure. it's like, I think that's a tough sell. That's, yeah, I wouldn't sell it that way or tell someone to get the console that way. I'd have to be like, you just gotta, you got to see Zelda running on that thing as opposed to the Wii U. Yeah. <laughs> you got it. It'll be interesting, I think, to see what happens. I think this yeah. whole year of Switch is going to be great. I think it's going to sell, continue to sell. It's going to yeah. keep selling out as they get new stock. And then Mario comes out. And then I'll be interested to watch Q1 into Q2 of next year to kind of see if things cool out sure. a little bit. Because what do we got? We got Xenoblade Chronicles 2 that'll come out kind of in that uh -huh. one. They, they say this year. I'll be surprised if it comes out this year. Yeah. Um, they said that again in E3, which I was surprised at. Um, you've got that, and then you're like, and then what? Yeah. And then you're waiting for Smash and Metroid, and so it'll be interesting to watch. I am pleasantly surprised by how well it's done. I'm, I'm always happy to see Nintendo do well. I feel like it yeah. needs to be in the industry because it's the only one that's pushing innovation anymore. It's it's hard for me to be super critical of the Switch because it felt so good to like yeah, yeah. you know to, even to get the system and have it not like look weird you know like yeah, yeah. oh this actually looks like a, a modern professional you oh know, for sure yeah. piece of media and not just kind of like a fun cartoon I mean the Wii U kind of looked like and I would argue the <laughs> the first 3DS they looked like prototypes that they put into production sure and I always expected Nintendo to update the gamepad because it's so huge and heavy and clunky I'm mm -hmm. like man this thing should be like this thick or yeah, whatever yeah. and it turns out it ended up being Switch yeah. which they really did just kind of evolve the gamepad yeah. into its new system it was so. funny doing the awards for me 3 and then getting down to like best mobile game and I'm like well isn't that Super Mario Odyssey? Yeah. <laughs> or best like portable game? I'm like, yeah, wait yeah. a minute. <laughs> well, it is a handheld. Like, uh, you know, every on our site, whenever we we pull we create a game, we have yeah. to label it for what platforms or whatever. And anytime we tag a game to Switch, it's also automatically tagged to handheld. Yeah. So I mean, it is it's a handheld system. So any any stories that we curate to Sifted for Switch, if you go and look on the handheld channel on Sifted, you'll see all the Switch stuff there. I mean, it is the world's best gaming handheld ever. And I think that is kind of the key. So when mm -hmm. I say that things may cool off after Mario and in the earlier part of next year, Nintendo can kind of skirt around that by stop stopping its support of the 3DS. If yeah. it can start getting all those studios that are working on 3DS software to start making 
these games for the Switch, I don't think people are going to complain about playing 2D games on Switch. It's no, like, not at all, yeah. I mean, people are clamoring for the virtual console right now. Yeah. So um, I think once that transition happens, once the Nintendo finally says bon voyage to the 3DS and just starts pouring all their resources into Switch, then maybe that can kind of get them over the hump of, well, we don't have a bunch of big Switch stuff coming right now, but man, like all our handheld studios are really starting to crank on this stuff. And those studios are great. I mean, yeah. they make amazing games. So I think that is one angle or one way that Nintendo can kind of head it off at the past, the, the inevitable fall off once those two big games come out for it. Be interesting to see teams that do like Professor Layton and stuff right. that have been working for 3DS for so long. Yeah, because you got the third parties too, Capcoms they, yeah. and all those other but if they, if they decide to just like, oh, make more latent games for Switch, or if they view this as a good opportunity to like, let's make a new franchise. You yeah. know, if we start seeing some really crazy things it could happen. come out of them. Yep. I exciting. mean, you know, the one thing that Switch does have is really versatile hardware and yeah. the way the controllers work and how you can snap one off and one person can hold one. I mean, there's all kinds of ideas yet that are that are waiting to be discovered. So yeah. once more people work on it, things always tend to get better and more interesting. And I yeah. think that could happen with the Switch as well. I hope it keeps selling to motivate them to do it ultimately. Me too. All right, let's move on. So, Jones, I don't know if you remember or not, but uh, back when we used worked... to work at Game Trailers. No, I think you've got that at this point. But back when I worked at Game Trailers, there was we we were we created compare graphics comparison videos. Yes. We were we created that yep. style of content, which now everybody does. Yep. But I don't know if you remember when we first started them. I think we had published maybe like ten or fifteen of them. Where we swap the logos? Yeah. <laughs> we had. You never forget that. Oh man, I don't. So. What happened was, so we had like 14 editors back then, like yeah. that worked all day. Like, yeah. dude, we were a machine. Yeah. But inevitably, like we had some guys who were kind of green because they didn't have a big budget to pay those guys. And so, like, inevitably, we have like three or four of our 14 were guys who were not that good, who were just learning how to edit or whatever. And the comparison videos were so easy that mm. that was the thing that we kind of handed to those guys to yeah. do. And uh, so we did a comparison video. I think it was a driving game. And uh, we put it up. And the editor had basically labeled one of them incorrectly. Mm -hmm. So he had labeled one is Xbox 360, the other is PlayStation 3. And then people saw that the controls on the one that was labeled right. as PlayStation 3 was actually the Xbox 360 version. And they went bananas <laughs> and accused us right. of like doing it on purpose. It's not just this video, now it's every video. Now, you've now ever made. yeah. Now, now we got to go back with a fine tooth comb and, you know. <laughs> yeah. Check. And so they railed on us. And then it got so bad that Kotaku. Ran a story about it and called and like called me and I had to sit and do an interview with Kotaku. I mean, it's still on the internet, by the way. If you want to find it, it's out there. I had to actually comment on it, and I on I refused. Like when they contacted me about it, I'm like, I'm not talking about this. This is so dumb and so petty. I'm not talking about it. And then John Slusser, our boss, calls me into his office. And he's like, you need to talk about this. And I was like, are you kidding me? Yep. He's like, you have to. It's turned into like an internet uproar. Just give him a quote, put it to right. rest, and move on. Right. And so I ended up having to talk to Kotaku about it. And the story I thought was a little slander, but whatever. So this whole thing has come kind of back around full circle this uh -huh. week. <laughs> so Sony published a video for Anthem, a game right. I am completely over the moon excited about. Yeah, looks gorgeous. BioWare's new game. BioWare Edmonton's new game, most importantly. Um, they post, like, basically the trailer, the gameplay trailer for Anthem right. on its YouTube channel. And it turns out that the footage that was being used in that trailer was from the Xbox One X. Correct. Is this a big deal or no big deal, Brandon? Uh, it, it's a big deal. You got to specify why it's a big deal. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a big deal because it shows 
kind of this, I mean, we're in an interesting era where like there's, you know, people have a lot of exposure to developers and publishers. Like they can reach out to them on Twitter. You know, there's, like we were talking about betas and stuff like that is a great opportunity to get in and like really see behind the scenes what happens, you know, in these companies. And, but on the, the, the actual like trailer production level, which is one of the reasons why I'm just so fascinated by that. Like yeah. that's still so, like so behind closed doors. Uh -huh. And so a lot of times like a piece of media will come out and that'll just kind of exist to, uh, to represent that game forever. And we're just kind of stuck with watching this thing over and over and over again. And so it, it, it cracks me up when people are like, I thought that trailer was, uh, I didn't trust that trailer. And it's like, you should never trust any, any trailer. trailer. <laughs> like, like trailers, you know, when people are like, that trailer lied to me. It's like, they're all lying to you. Like every yeah. single trailer ever made is, is not a game. It's the idea of the game. And so, you know, it's, it, it's, it's this funny. It's amazing, by the way. Yeah. So it's <laughs> funny that, uh, if, even if they had not put the overlay on or even if they had like cropped that part out or something, like you could tell it was fake because it's literally shot for shot the same demo that they showed during the right. Xbox press conference. Yeah, no variations whatsoever. Yeah, and any of the weapons used or where the camera's going, like down frame to like by a frame. pixel. Right, yeah. So that alone yeah. <laughs> could tell you like, okay, there's no way that this demo was played on two separate consoles right. by two, you know, by the same person on two separate occasions. So already there's, you know, some mistrust there. Um, and so I, I think, I think the fact that it happened is not terribly interesting. I think the fact that they overlaid it is not like super scandalous and is like, yeah, but they're really hiding how broken this is going to be on the PlayStation 4 Pro, which is going to be gorgeous on both, on both consoles. What's fascinating is what Sony does now. Right. Like how they deal with this, how upfront they are about like, hey, stuff happens. Hey, you it know? happened days ago and Sony hasn't right. said squat about it. So. Right. <laughs> So that 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 it that uh, because that to me is is that fear is that ignorance is that we're just thinking hey the more we say the more we're is gonna it, blow it up it too it we're gonna throw fuel on the fire yeah I mean do you think it's a, a case where Sony's just like so what we're untouchable we're the leader right who cares because it's like if you really want to get into it, it's like oh they want to they want you to think the PlayStation Four Pro is as powerful as the Xbox One X. I think more well, likely, we all know that that's not the case. I think but. more likely they said Bioware, hey, can we get a playthrough of this in the PlayStation 4? No. Uh, uh, all right. Well, there's only one piece of media that you have for it. Can we, can we put that on our channel? Sure. Okay. Has the Xbox controls down there? Can you get rid of those? No. Yeah. They're like, Ugh. you know, they're just like in that position. And they're like, it's such a hot piece of media. We got to put it on there. Like, would you be fine, Bioware, with us, like, putting our, the, just literally those controls over it? Here, I mean, here's another caveat. That footage... What, what, what chances do you think there are that that footage was actually running on Xbox One X hardware? That's what we joked about at Easy Allies. It's, it's on a PC. Come on. Like, let's, you it's know, let's, totally let's running on a PC. Here. This is on a PC, you know, given the HUD for, you know, and the PC version probably will have the, the, the Xbox It probably will. Because yeah, they, because you know, you can, most of yeah. them do. Um, but again, it's, it's you know, the, this idea that, like, I'm going to, you know, hold this publisher to absolutely everything that I saw in this piece of media because that's just how it's got to work, darn it. It's like, it yeah. just doesn't work that way. Like, every single time you see a piece of media, that thing has so much duct tape and, you know, Band-Aids and, you know, Febreze. <laughs> just, like, whatever <laughs> it takes do you to think take Sony... something that you don't like and just make it sparkle the best it possibly can. Do you think Sony maybe should have... Like, put a disclaimer on it that said running on yes. dev kit yes. software. Yes. Like, so wouldn't that really have solved everything? That actually, I think, would have 
turned this into a maybe a positive story. That right. would have been a completely different headline of like, whoa, Sony being that. honest. Well, yeah. it's like uh, I think we saw a lot of that at E3. Actually, the the the, the switch visible in the, uh, a Microsoft a Minecraft world yeah. during the Xbox press conference. Yeah, yeah. Like, whoa, yeah. You know, them not only like, yeah, we'll leave that in. Like, should be like, hey, look at the switch is cool. Go get it. Yeah, like, yeah. what's happening? You well, know, there's no competition for Microsoft right. in the in a handheld space. So yeah. that makes and, sense. And look, Microsoft will make a ton of money off Minecraft on Switch. I mean, look, Microsoft released handheld games for, like, was right. it the GBA, I think? They released a Banjo game and, like, a Mr. Pants game. Like, all this rare stuff that they ended up putting on Nintendo handheld. So Microsoft and Nintendo have kind of played nice yeah. for a while now. Um, but I, it seems yeah. like Sony is just kind of like the jerk. Like. Right now, they kind of are. And, and I'm sure this, you know, that ball gets knocked back and forth between, you know, on the tennis court, you know, in this industry. But like, yeah, they're, they're, Microsoft is kind of like putting them out there as being like, hey, we want to work with everybody. We want, yeah. we want our online games to talk to each other. Like, we're, we're, well, you notice, let's do it. You notice Phil Spencer, and I, I mentioned this on the show last week, actually, he always is compliments everyone else. And you see that a little bit from Shu. Like he'll, mm -hmm. you know, he'll say some things about usually Nintendo stuff. But Phil Spencer is always complimenting like other games. You don't yeah. see that from Sony as much. Yeah. Because I, I mean, I don't even know if Phil is. I mean, it might be a nefarious on Phil's part. Like maybe he's like, well, we're the underdog, so we're gonna play nice. Sony doesn't need I'm sure to do that's that. What it is. Like, yeah. Exactly. No, like, that, and that's why it's so amusing because yeah. they, they're in that position because Microsoft is thinking like, okay, what can we do to yeah. to. Uh, and, and they've already done stuff like that because I think they came out of the gate this generation very cocky, and so they're realizing, okay, we got to tone back that rhetoric, focus more on what are the type of experiences that our audience really wants, what stuff that we can get them excited about, you know, seeing you know yeah, uh, Sony, an, an exec from Sony walking on a stage with a Crash Bandicoot shirt on and people going nuts, and they're yeah. being like, really, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, some I old know. PS1 game, and I like know. they're like frothing in the bit, like, <laughs> yeah. okay, wait, like no, they know that they've got them around their finger at that yeah. point. It's like everything we touch turns to gold. They become like King Midas, and I mean. It's not just this case with Sony that kind of is shown, showing its hand a little bit. It's also not allowing cross-platform multiplayer and Rocket League. Yep. Like, Sony's basically just saying, like, we're putting a wall around our stuff, man. Yeah. And no one's going to complain. No one's going to care because everyone has a PS4. So, I don't, yeah, I don't think a video with Xbox controls would play poorly on the... So, I mean, of course, there's negative comments anywhere on YouTube. But, yeah. like, I think that would be really interesting for them saying, like, like the, the following is the presentation shown during the Xbox press conference at E3 2017. This game will be fully playable on the PlayStation 4. Because it's like, if, you know, that to me is more disingenuous than showing a CG trailer on the PlayStation right. channel. That's yeah, like, yeah. well, this no, isn't right. gameplay. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. It's just an advertisement for your game. Yeah. It's just an, an, some, an asset you're giving your audience to better understand the products that are coming to their system. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I didn't. I wasn't as up in arms over this as a lot of people were, uh, because again, going I back to the fact, I mean, look, all these trailers, these gameplay trailers, they're all cut off dev kits. It's like which are PCs, yeah. and it, then they ultimately have to work with each individual platform to get them to run well on each one of them. But this isn't like something out of the ordinary. I mean, I guarantee you, there are tons of trailers, other trailers, on Sony's. YouTube channel mm -hmm. that have Xbox One or PC footage sure. in the trailers. Oh, yeah. And vice versa, I guarantee there are tons of trailers on Xbox's YouTube channel that has tons of PlayStation 4 footage in the trailers. And on the Switch, for, it, for the limited third-party stuff it does have, I'm sure there's footage of PS4 or Xbox One versions in those trailers for those indie games. Like, it's just the way it is. If those controls wouldn't have popped up on like it would no one even batted an eyelash yeah so i feel like this is kind of a lot to do about nothing 
which is something the internet seems to uh, enjoy doing on a weekly basis. Uh, they got to find something to freak out about every week, right? They can't just sit there and, and enjoy the show. So, uh, yeah, I think this is a, a big deal about nothing. Uh, it, you know, is it going to look this good on PlayStation 4 Pro? Hell no, it's not. But does it matter? Probably not. Uh, well, to me, yeah, no, and. Uh, um... You know, to a consumer, I, I don't think that yeah, I don't think there's a conspiracy theory here. No, the consumers don't even know this happened, some and poor, they'll never know what happened. Some poor it's guy in a production us. studio it's, who's like frame by yeah. frame looking at that dissolve, like oh, I think it looks okay. I don't. It's know. just us otaku who right. who will ever even know this happened, who ever even right. kind of care that it ever happened. Uh, and I think that's just kind of where those battle lines are drawn between Xbox and PlayStation fans. You yeah. know, Xbox fans have been taken on the chin here for the last few years. Not to mention the demo itself is clearly choreographed. And oh, planned, yeah, yeah. And planned ahead. The dialogue is very scripted. And, oh, yeah. you know, I mean, like... they've been doing that at E3 for like three years now. I think the first time I really noticed it was the first time they showed The Division. Do you remember yeah. that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where they had the scripted banter back and forth. Oh, the Call of Duty Wildlands, which, or not Call of Duty Wildlands, the Ghost Recon Wildlands, which that was, was really fun. Yeah, but yeah. It, I had the worst, the worst, worst, yeah. worst script. They so. do that. It seems to just be a thing yeah. now. They get professional. Has your wife done any of these by any chance? Uh, no, none of that. Yeah. <laughs> none of the fake Log like, it banter. In. Okay. <laughs> good, good catch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't One be surprised if she we win, gets... everybody. Yeah. Yeah, like... <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. I if... would. She gets a gig like that. I'd be that. disappointed at her. Ah, oh, no, come kidding. on. It's money. It's not her fault. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about Super Mario Odyssey. This is kind of a Nintendo-heavy show because no one's doing anything other than Nintendo right now. Right. Uh, so we're going to talk about Super Mario Odyssey. It came out, and I don't know how this was not discovered at E3, and I'm ashamed of myself for not noticing it, mm. but you cannot die in right. Super Mario Odyssey. It Does that... One, it's crazy to me because every. It's not crazy to me, so make it crazy for me because I've never had, I've never gotten a game over in Mario screen because one ups were always so easy to get. So the right. concept of like failing a Mario game, I think it's crazy because one ups no longer exist. Okay, think about that. that. Then that, yeah, then that's nuts. <laughs> you won't see that verbiage anywhere. The in thing that we use for likes on Sifted right. <laughs> are gone. They don't exist anymore. Isn't that cr that's crazy? There's I mean, a website called One Up. I'm not saying there's really any right. I'm not saying there's anything like wrong with it. Yeah. Like within the context, like you said, of playing the game, you're right. Like by the time I play a 3D Mario game for 45 minutes, I have like 15 One Ups or whatever. Yeah. But it's just bizarre that there's this huge element that has existed in this series for so long yeah. that is no longer going to be a part Zelda of it. Zelda jumped this year, or Link jumped this year. It's, yeah. it's all happening. <laughs> Big changes. Yeah, and I think a lot of that just ties into the fact that the 3D Mario games just haven't been all that difficult. Like mm -hmm. Super Mario 64, because I had never really played 3D games before, like lives mattered in that when I first played it back in 96 or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, but after you got used to playing in a 3D space, and it just seemed like the Mario 3D Mario games got easier and easier and easier as they went along, and more generous with the one-ups. Uh, with like Super Mario 3D World, there was times where I had like 50 men or something like that. So the tension has kind of gone out of Mario 3D Mario games for quite a while. Uh, the 2D games I still I still find challenging, like in some of the later stages. Sure. Uh, I still have problems with some of those. But 3D Mario is not really. Some of the boss fights until you kind of figure out what you need to do maybe present a little bit of a challenge. But for the most part, like... It, it's really kind of a story about nothing other than the aesthetics. And aesthetics are kind of important. Like, it's weird to me that the 1-Up is no longer going to exist in a Mario game. 
it's a weird kind of affirmation, yeah, when you get one of those that you're like, oh, okay, that'll, that'll make the experience a little bit easier. It's not something I can use right now, but yeah. I guess I'm not, you know. I mean, look. Uh, I'm, I'm not, not that afraid of death, but like. I get it, a dopamine rush when I get a one-up, even yeah. if it's like the 35th one that right. I got. Like, right. when I see that mushroom pop out of there and I scramble over and I pick it up, I get this weird, like, rush of, like, endorphins. I'm like, oh, I got the one-up. It's just a little, yeah, it's a little pillow fort you can fall into. You're just yeah, like, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, Things like, aren't going to be so bad because I at least get one more shot. But to me, I've never... Whenever I've stopped playing a Mario game, Sunshine was a classic one. I straight up just quit Sunshine. Oh, really? I was like, nope. And it wasn't because I ran out of lives. It was because yeah. I failed at a challenge. That game was kind of challenging. I, I Some failed, of the challenges. I failed at a very, like, like, a skyscraper challenge that had, like, 50 platforms. It's like, I just got to get all the way to the top of that thing. And I fell all the way down all to the down. ground. And then I looked all the way back up and was like, okay, I'm done. And I don't, I don't know if... I can't remember if it was something I had to do or the was just like... The first Jack and Daxter was like that, man. They make you go all the way up these crazy, like, spiral, whatever. You're like a mile off the ground. You make one mistake and fall all the way to the I mean, bottom. I can see that in Shadow of the Colossus of you just, like, yeah. looking up and being like, I can't, I just don't have I the patience can't. for yeah. this right now. <laughs> yeah. And so that, that to me, is, is a, the deal breaker, really, is, yeah. is that'll, that'll shut me off from, from playing, and not just Mario, but uh, any uh, kind of, like, action-adventure game. Yeah, um, I think Sunshine maybe was the most challenging 3D platform, or at least if you wanted 100% it, because there was those, were they purple coins or red coin challenges? I can't remember. Red? I think they were red for Where a Where you had while. to collect, like, eight, purple started. eight coins to get a star, and, like, a lot of them were timed. Like, some of those were pretty tough. I mean, those actually have been kind of tough in all 3D Mario games, now that I think about it. But, uh, but, yeah, it just seems like there's just this part of the game that's going to be missing. And I get why Nintendo did it. It's like, why... Why have we had lives all this time? It really doesn't make like a lick of sense. Uh, but I think it's always tough when there's, there are elements of games that have been a part of them all along, and they just suddenly are, are gone or they disappear. And it's, I mean, I, you're expressing regret for not noticing that at, at E3. Right. It was not a big story, but like it is, it does kind of speak to what that will mean for the franchise now that no one noticed. <laughs> you know, that... Well, I think another part of it too might be that when you play E3 demos, a lot of times they either make it so the character is invincible mm -hmm. or they make it that it's almost impossible to die mm -hmm. because they know people are going to be playing a game for the first time ever. And that they're probably not going to be all that great at it. Yeah. So they'll tone down the difficulty a lot of times for E3 show floor demos. Or they'll just make the main character invincible. And I think maybe while I was playing it, subconsciously I thought to myself, oh, they probably just turned off dying. Because right. they don't want people to constantly be dying in this game. And then sure. say, oh, this game sucks when they leave or whatever. And especially now with all the influencers and, you know, someone who back in the day at E3 you would see. And you're like, oh, that's just some kid whose dad is like the manager at GameStop or whatever. Now that kid could have, like, 5 million subscribers on YouTube. Right. And as soon as he walks away from the game, he's going to go, like, live stream on his smartphone and say, oh, my God, Super Mario Odyssey sucks. And 5 million people are like, no. Like, the game has changed, like, big time. So, yeah, uh, yeah I just think I just assumed that they had nerfed the game for the E3 demo. So it never even entered into my mind that dying would no longer be a part of it. Well, it, I mean, it's difficulty is something that is definitely like it, it's. I wouldn't say it's own genre, but like de, the, it has become one. The, it, there, are, there's definitely yeah, like that that type of game that like when you even try to approach you know like a Soulsish type of type game, you, there's always that question of like how hard is this? Right. You know, yeah. I, I know you were a big uh, Ninja Gaiden fan. And yeah. I, like I've definitely got turned off from those games because they're just too damn hard. Yeah. And like I'm not a big fan of like Dark Souls or and look, I like again, I love Ninja Gaiden games. 
But I'm not a big fan of Dark Souls or Bloodborne. Right. You know, it's and I weird how it like it really took Bloodborne for me to like, ah, oh, I got it. Okay, all right. You know, yeah. to to really understand that subtle nature of like what needs to get done between the points where I can actually mark my my progress. My progress. Yeah. And so I think it's less about like you don't need lives, but more like, well, what are lives doing for me? When I run out of lives, what happens? Because right. in every game, when you run out of lives, the same thing doesn't necessarily happen. Some games, you go, you're done. That's right. literally the entire experience. Yeah, yeah. Super C, man, on the NES. Yeah, you know, it's yeah, like, exactly. you got three. Good luck. In this game, you lose coins. Like, yeah, there really or, is no punishment for... <laughs> when you have a game like this, where it's just like, oh, you go back to an area that's farther away from the place you're trying to get to, then it's like, well, then you don't need a, a further fail state beyond that. Here's one of these examples we were talking about, where Mario just climbed up to the, literally to the top of a skyscraper in New Donk City. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and if you fall, that can suck really bad. And, and I, this also seems to be a game where, uh, you know, similar to the, the original, you know, Mario 64, where you're kind of setting your own goals a lot of the yeah. time. It's up to you, really, like, what, wh how hard the thing you're about to do is based on what you're trying to get out of it. Um, and so it, it, you kind of, like, are setting your own difficulty. So, you know, stopping is stopping, whether, you know, you fall off a giant building or whether you just bump into something that crushes you and takes all your health away. Yeah, I think respawning, wh wh where do you respawn yeah. um, is more important. Right. Because do you respawn exactly where you die? Mm -hmm. Or do they respawn you back at some whatever checkpoint that you clicked at some point? And that point? might change depending on what area you're right. going into. Like, we're, obviously we're in New Donk City now, but it looks like there's like some challenge maps that you go into just briefly. Yeah, yeah. And like, maybe you start at the beginning of those, but then while you're in the city, you start a little closer to where you died. So, and yeah. Nintendo's pretty smart with that stuff. It, uh... It seems to kind of have that sixth sense on how to set the challenge for a game. Also, you know, Mario games have been maybe a little too easy, I think, at least 3D Mario games over the last few entries. But, uh, you know, they have to make them palatable to kids. There's never been a difficulty setting in a 3D Mario game, ever. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't anticipate that ever happening. Right. So Nintendo has to make it so kids can play it and enjoy it, and people like us can play it and enjoy it. And typically, I think how that works is the adults go for the 100% completion, try to get all the stars or the moons or whatever the hell they are this time around. Um, where the kids, are, they just go and fiddle around, and Nintendo needs to make sure that there's fun stuff to do like that. Like just jumping on an umbrella. Well, like, what's over there? Like, right. oh, what the hell's over there? And yeah, like, exactly. I haven't played one of those Mario games in a long time. Yeah, you're right. Like a lot of the Mario games beforehand have been like, gotta get to that pole, gotta get to that pole. Yeah, I was, <laughs> I, I'm not a big fan of uh, Super Mario 3D World either. Um, I, I, for I think, a Wii U. I think it all, it's also, there's a matter of cred. Like, I think you look at, uh, there's a lot of games, uh, uh, a lot of Mario games that really fit easily into that speedrunning community where it's like, I beat the games and I didn't lose a life. You know, right, it's like right. a thing you can claim. Yeah, yeah. That like, no, I did that in Super Mario Brothers 3. I did that in New Super Mario Brothers. Uh, whereas this, like, eh, you know, Who like, I, I don't care. Yeah, it's yeah. like, that's a long playthrough. <laughs> you know, 30 hours, you didn't die. Speedruns will be big as well, like trying to, you know, 100% it and see how right. fast you can do so it. So this looks more of the, like, what's on on that rooftop kind of right. a game. And so that lives don't necessarily fit into that that, that type of play style. When I'm yeah, I mean, in, it was like, interesting where they jumped from the one skyscraper. It just seemed like they just blind jumped and landed <laughs> where there was a moon. Like, you know, this game looks like it's going to provide a lot more latitude to find different ways to get someplace. And yeah. that's what I thought Super Mario 3D World lost, was mm -hmm. sort of that creativity that the player could impart into his play yep. to say, hey, you got there this way, you just did wall jumps all the way between two walls. Well, what I did was I did a backflip and then wall jumped off of that, grabbed onto a pole and, you know. Yeah. It was. I feel like the Wii U game lost that a little bit, so I'm I'm happy to see it kind of coming back for uh, Super Mario Odyssey. So I would much rather f 
uh, like identify with that person who did a fun act, you know, fun motion to get where he's going, than the person who beat that level without dying. Yeah, you know, like that would be more impressed with the first example. Than yeah, the yeah, and I think you know a good example of that is like watching Mike Damiani play a three D Mario game. <laughs> right. But watching him play three D Mario games, oh, yeah. like he's really good, and I'm yeah. pretty good at him too. And so I would watch him play, and I'm like, oh, that's interesting how you tackled this part of the game, and then how yeah. I tackled that part of the game. Versus just watching, like, my wife play. Yeah. It was just like, what exact thing do I need to do to get up there? Yeah. Um, I think 3D Mario games allow for a lot of creativity. And it's one of the reasons that it's one of my favorite franchises in the entire world. So yeah. uh, I'm very happy with the direction this game is taking, one-ups or not. So, all right, let's move on. We're going to continue on a bit of a Nintendo kick. So Platinum Games seems to be in love with the Nintendo Switch. It's been sending out all kinds of random tweets over the last week, <laughs> teasing stuff. Uh, the first tweet was Bayonetta. Uh -huh. So they sent out an image. It appeared to have like Bayonetta 1, Bayonetta 2, using the color combinations right. of the Switch controllers, the blue and the red. Um, let's talk about Bayonetta first. So Bayonetta 2 comes out exclusively on Wii U. Yes. Tanks. Right. Like literally, it did really bad. Uh, way worse than the first Bayonetta that was multi-platform and sold, I think, oh, if I remember correctly, like 1.5 million or something along those lines. Did well, far, very well, I thought well enough to warrant a sequel, um, which apparently everyone else did not agree with because Sega turned down Bayonetta 2 and a bunch of other publishers did too. Finally, Platinum convinced Nintendo to give them money to make it, to make it a Wii U exclusive. Is it worth them releasing these games again? Because you remember Bayonetta 2 also had, I believe, had Bayonetta 1 on the disc for Wii U, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Th oh, these are crazy, crazy games. Yeah, I, I don't... How are, how are these games going to run on the Switch? I mean, I guess if it's running on Wii U. Um, but I, I, I think these are... These are some excellent games. They like, are. I, They're amazing games. And, and so I think uh, the, my, my, the business side of the argument, uh, the business side of my brain might get trumped by that you know, the fact that they're great like, games. That you yeah. need to, yeah. Specifically, the second one is just so insane. Like what? Like the the montage that you're watching now might seem like a highlight reel from the game, where it's like, well, just pick the craziest moments. Like this is the game the no, whole time. It, yeah, it never, it never right. stops. You're ever, right, ever, yeah. ever, ever, ever. And uh, and I, yeah, I think it's fine. And I think uh, I think the Switch. Uh, I bought the Wii U out of necessity from business. Right. You know? So like, I don't think I you know, necessarily would have purchased the Wii U uh, had this not been my job. And so I imagine that there are a lot of people that um, got a Wii, didn't really get you know, a lot of games for it right after launch, you know, kind of got Wii Sports and got it caught up in the motion excitement, didn't get a Wii U. This is their first Nintendo console in a long time. Yeah. So they're looking back. Uh, I think it would, be, it would behoove Nintendo to get... Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze on the Switch to get yeah you know, that the, the, game really underperformed to really to really look at like the five to ten best Wii U games and and give them a, a second chance because there's a lot of people that it uh, wasn't like oh yeah I own the console but I never you know knew do you it's think like, so far that there are a lot of people who bought a Switch that didn't own a Wii U yes yeah yeah um, or, or if they got a Wii U really did not play it at all yeah <laughs> uh, there's maybe one or two exclusive things um, and. I think Bayonetta 2 is I think an exciting Japan, announcement. There's a lot of people yeah. who were buying Switch that didn't buy a Wii U. But I yeah. wonder in the West if that's the case. 
Uh, it just identifies with my own personal experience. Again, I owned a Wii U, but like I've, you know, when I got the Wii U, I was like, yeah, I got a Wii U. And I got a Switch. It was like, yes. I was just <laughs> so excited. Yeah. And uh, playing Zelda on that thing, it just like the way it felt and, and it ran and just like pulling that thing out of the dock and hitting a button, it turns, it goes out of sleep mode right away. And yeah. it's just like, yeah, I, and nothing but smiles. And, and so I, I want to share that experience with this new console. I want to, I, I still kind of, kind of like am glowing from the honeymoon a bit. And so like, yeah. I, I, I'll, but you did I, own a Wii U. I'm probably prepared to make some dumb purchasing decisions yeah, yeah, on yeah. games that I just missed out on. But you did own a Wii U though. Yeah. So my question was people who, do you think there are a lot of people who did not own a Wii U that are buying Switch? Keeping in mind now, even to this day to buy a Switch, you have to be dedicated. Yes. You have to like follow a Twitter feed and you get those alerts, oh my gosh, GameStop has it now, Toys R Us, and you have to go down there, you have to wait for them to open up, or you have to be on Amazon.com at that exact time and click as fast as you can to get it. Do you think that the people that are buying it now are people who did not have a Wii, or do you think they're just the hardcore Nintendo fans who are dedicated enough to actually do all this to try to get it? I don't, I, I don't have a... Uh, a packed answer for you for that one. <laughs> I don't. I don't have the insight because I don't know. Yeah. Like on one hand, yeah, it seems insane, like the the hoops that you got to jump through. But at the same time, like there is, it, it, I think it still has that um, mystique of just being that really hard to get console, and I think that attracts people just by itself. Just yeah. like, well, everybody's freaking out about it and talking about it, and um, so yeah, it's something that I want to I want to check out and, and get my hands on. I wonder how much when people don't own a Switch, if actually like seeing it and holding it helps like i wonder it if should. that's like oh, you know because like because for me you, that made a big deal when i finally held it and i was like oh yeah, cool yeah, it's it not feels, cheap it yeah feels great yeah um and so i wonder if that we're seeing kind of the second wave of that where people do like not like bring it up to a party with kickstands and play a game right, but right. like you know like actually just like oh i'll just you know whip it out at a friend's house and uh and and you know show you a couple things that i'm playing um but i yeah i i think i don't know with the the how hard it is to package a Bayonetta 1 and 2 if you just got to, like, flip a switch and then, uh, pun intended, but, like, uh, and there it comes and it shows up on your new console. Or it if, seems like, pretty that easy. Is... I mean, Pokemon Tournament. Right. It seems like it's getting ported in a matter of months over to Especially if you switch. don't have a physical release for a lot of the, you right. know, this older stuff. Um, yeah, if Pokemon Tournament's going to be on the Switch, then get Why Tropical would it? Freeze on there. Come yeah, on. yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then you start looking at, so Bayonetta 2, it sold really badly. I think it sold like around 200,000 in its first like quarter or whatever. Um, and there were 10 or 11 million uh, Wii U's out there. That's not a great attach rate for no. that game. Yeah. Do you think that changes because you, there's these new customers coming in that did not own the Wii U? And do you think that maybe that's something you release like two years from now when you have a big group of people who are owning Switch that didn't own the Wii U? Do you think putting it out, in by the, say, by the end of the year is a good idea? Uh, yeah, that depends. Like, what? who are you making happier, Bayonetta 2 fans or Switch fans, right. by having Bayonetta 2 on there? Yeah. Is it something that, yeah, the, the, the fans are going to uh, appreciate going through and playing it again and, and maybe even, like, you know, it's one thing if you go over to a friend's house and say, like, Bayonetta 2 is really great. You should check it out. They're like, okay. And you go, here it is. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, literally, you can play it right now. <laughs> right. Um, that the, yeah, that that's a big sell. Or is that something that, um, does it need to be big? Like, does it, am I releasing this, you know, saying that, like, I can, we can pad out our library or it's like, no, I really want, you know, switch numbers to go up the month that Bayonetta 2 comes out. Because, yeah, I don't see that happening. Yeah, I don't either. I don't see that change. Oh, well, now I'll get the Switch. Right. This is a, something where it's like, okay, like you were saying earlier, I finished Zelda, now what? Oh, yeah, I never played 
Bayonetta 2. And maybe at the time in the current climate when there's lots of other games and yeah, this new game just came out. But like, yeah, my one friend will not shut up about Bayonetta 2. And it's been so many years later that like maybe now's the time. Bayonetta 2 coming out on PS4, Xbox One, or PC, that would be a big deal. Sure. They would sell a metric ton of those games. I just don't see anyone jumping ship and getting a Switch specifically specifically for this game. Um, And then yesterday or the day before... Platinum starts hinting that the wonderful 101 may be coming to Switch. Did Crazy. you play that game? I didn't. I, I, I'm familiar with the game. I can picture it in my mind, but I never played it. It's, <laughs> it's mind-boggling, <laughs> one, that that game was ever greenlit. It's right. just insane. Uh, it sold even worse mm-hmm. on Wii U than Bayonetta 2 did. Um, that one, to me, is a real head-scratcher. Like, just the time that it... Even if it is a fairly easy process of six months or eight months or whatever, and I get Nintendo's trying to bolster exclusive software for a switch but and the game actually is pretty good that's mm-hmm. the crazy part about it it looks really weird i mean unusual there's, yeah there's no, it, no game com- like it there is no other game like it but i think it didn't resonate with the people who own the wii u which makes me think it probably won't resonate with switch owners that much either um and i'm less optimistic that that will have any relevance when it comes out all all it's going to do is cheapen my copy of the wonderful 101 for wii u because yeah. once they reissue it the value of that game is yeah. already pretty high. What's well, weird, like, I see people hyping Neo Geo releases on Switch. That they're like, I guess there's, like, a specific day that they announce new yeah. Neo Geo stuff. Yeah. I saw somebody on Twitter was like, woohoo, more Neo Geo stuff. And it's like, okay, is this guy just a huge Neo Geo fan, or is there <laughs> that little... <laughs> well, one thing I will say about Neo Geo... Those few options available on Switch right now. That, well, that's part of it. But the other thing I would say is that Neo Geo is kind of this, like, golden unicorn, because... Like, back in the day, like, I remember Jeff Gers when I worked at GameSpot, we would go to Japan for Tokyo Game Show or whatever, and each game for Neo Geo would cost, like, four or $500. And so it's become, like, this rarefied beast yeah. that a lot of people have not been able to play its games because they couldn't afford it. Right. Um, and so I, did, I do think that Neo Geo in general kind of has this mythical status in gaming mm-hmm. uh, that maybe a lot of the other old school games don't have because they were always inaccessible and hard to, to ever play. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I can kind of see why some people get excited over that stuff. Um, I think people are just, just really antsy to get to play older games on Switch. Period. I mean, you can see it with the frothing demand for the virtual console for yeah. it. Like, I honestly... I really don't care that much about the virtual console because I've played all those games. I've been doing. I've played them when they came out, right? And then I probably bought them again on Wii, and then I bought maybe a couple more again for the third time on right. the Wii, and I bought some of them on three. Like it's like this, just the same games being recycled. I can understand why younger players are like, "Damn right, get that virtual console going." But for someone who's actually been playing games all this time and played them all, I just don't have the time to play old games. I think is what it is. Sure. Um, so, like, I look at the Virtual Console on Wii. I had it loaded with games I bought. I much hardly ever played them. Um, a lot of my Virtual Console games I got on my 3DS, I play them for, like, an hour. Like, I just, oh, that was great. I remember that. Never play it again. Like, um, so I think it depends on kind of where you are in your life cycle, so to speak, on how important these kind of older games are to you. Uh, me, personally, it's like, I can't spend time playing an older game because I need to play something new so that I can talk about it right. on Game Face or cover it on Sifted. So, and I'm sure you're in the same boat. We've, we have been for a long time. It's yeah. like, it's hard to dedicate time to older games when you need to keep talking about the new ones. So, yeah. uh, I don't know. I, I admire Nintendo is trying to convince these publishers, even if they're old games, to get more games on Switch because I think that's really important. And as we mentioned earlier, it could end up being Achilles' heel for Switch a year from now or something like that. So... I'm not going to bemoan them for doing it. Do I think it's a good use of their time? Yeah. I just, in, in, my, in my line of work, 
uh, new games just come flying at me in a million miles an hour. So it's like it's rare that I go into like the store on right. my PS4 and just browse. Right. You know, it's like, are, no, what I'm the, pretty. What are the like, deals the next, today? Yeah, the next <laughs> ten games I'm playing are lined up. Yeah. Uh, but like, I, yeah, I, I I do find myself doing that on Switch. Like, yeah. I, I definitely did have that moment. Because of, like, you're desperate. Because they didn't have the store right away. And so yeah, like, when the store yeah. finally happened, it was like, all right, let's do this. And I, yeah. I was going to the store like, hmm. And I'm like, wow, look at me. I'm actually kind of like that's desperate. A, I but think like, that's a testament to the hardware, though. You I'm, love the hardware yeah. so much that you're like, I know all these games are on other it's, platforms. I know they're old. Yeah. But... I want to play more on this device that I have. It's fun to catch yourself in that moment where you know you're ready to make a dumb purchasing decision. Oh, yeah, <laughs> you're yeah. just like, oh, here I go. I got 20 bucks to burn. Let's do it. You know. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I wonder if they're they're hoping. And so I wonder if, if, if this is going to be something kind of like with third-party support for the Wii U that like a lot at the beginning and then kind of like, you know, um, you know, fell off the map a little bit. Where are they going to make just a big push and get a bunch of uh, uh, third party involved, a bunch of old Wii U games and maybe some other exclusives that were on other things or older consoles? Or is this going to be something they're just going to kind of every now and then throughout the life of the Switch? Right. Um, I wonder if they're testing it right now. I wonder if Platinum Games is like the litmus. Just like, it could be. Yeah, we'll see how Bayonetta 2 does. I'm sure that'll... Platinum would like to see more people play Bayonetta 2. I mean, sure. imagine working on a game that long and it only gets purchased by 200,000 people. I mean, right. that's pretty disheartening. And Platinum's been on a bit of a skid for the last half a decade really i mean you look at the, the transformers game lots of games made. but they're not yeah not all they're great. not great yeah. yeah and i mean bayonetta 2 is great and it sold horribly and it's they fantastic made... it's one of the best yeah. action adventure games that anyone has ever made yeah <laughs> and, they, and meanwhile they put out like the shovelware transformers game that sells like the five Teenage times Turtles game yeah i mean yeah. it's really interesting to watch but uh I do admire Nintendo for trying to get a steady stream of software on its platform by any means necessary. I just wonder if ultimately the payoff is going to be worth the investment in this Platinum stuff. So we shall see. Let's move on. We're going to talk next about exclusive games and if they really exist anymore from <laughs> third parties, honestly. Um, so it was announced this week. It was it, We've known this for forever, but it was reconfirmed right. or firmed up. That Cuphead is going to remain an Xbox One exclusive. Mm -hmm. First of all, Brandon, do you believe this? Well, it was really hard after the Xbox press conference to try to figure out what they meant by exclusive. Oh, oh yeah. It's like really, mind-boggling. It was this a really strange word. Temporary, yeah. <laughs> that was a... You almost need, like, like, color meters. You yeah. know, it's like when you see the gold exclusive... <laughs> That, that means, means gold forever. Xbox Golden. One X forever. Yeah. Nobody's doing that. The silver exclusive means Xbox One X and PC, maybe stuff later. Yeah. And the other exclusive means you're seeing it in our press conference first. Yeah, and that's it. <laughs> no, that's exclusive I mean, that for was, about an hour and 45 minutes. That was legitimately like how granular it was. It was insane. Yeah. Um, but do you think Cuphead is going to remain an Xbox One exclusive? Uh no, if it was Vegas, <laughs> I yeah, I would probably say no. But I mean, who like it? Just yeah, it depends on how important Cuphead is to them. Where it's a small enough game that I can see them locking it down. But at the same time, I've heard about Cuphead for like five years, yeah. and so um, yeah, it, it. If I was that team and had put this much time into that game, and just to finally when you you release, well, it, you know, it came out version. this week that they've mortgaged their homes. Oh boy, yeah, you're gonna. Rest all that on just one system. Well, I mean, look, Microsoft, especially, especially a system that has recently been touting its its hard, you know, our hardware prowess that I'm not seeing, you know, at all in this game. Maybe frame rate, I think, is like the major thing that uh, you want to make sure you don't lose in this game. But um, it's a pretty game, but it's just not, you know, it's not yeah, anthem, it's anthem not levels pushing it's not... hardware. But yeah, I mean, they mortgaged the game. They said that basically what happened was they show the game, 
this game has been, like you said, five years. Yeah. Before Sifted launched, this game had already been announced and shown. The thing that's so funny is this game sold me on two seconds of gameplay because yeah. it was in a montage of yeah, something yeah. they showed. Yeah. And I remember to bring up Ryan Stevens again was like, what the hell was that? And I was yeah. like, what? And he's like, that, look, w- watch these two seconds of this yeah. game again. <laughs> we were like, that looks great. And then everything yeah. I've seen since is like, great. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome still. Okay, cool. But I think what happened was, like, when it was first shown, like, it exploded. You know, yeah. obviously it caught Ryan's eye. Yeah. And I think it had ultimately has become a far more ambitious and bigger game than they originally envisioned. And I think once they realized that the concept and the look of the game had hooked people, they're like, okay, well, what we were making probably isn't worthy of how much hype this game is getting. So yeah. we need to go back to the drawing board and uh, beef it out a little bit. And I think that's what's happened. I think that's why they mortgaged their homes. And I think Microsoft probably stepped in and said, hey, like, that's great that you did that, but here's $20 million. <laughs> like, only put it out for our platform but generally that only gets you so far usually when a platform holder pays a developer to create an exclusive for them it's timed i mean usually almost 90 percent of the time it's Mm -hmm. a timed exclusive like i still think someday we may see bloodborne like on another platform like Mm -hmm. and it's been a couple three years since that came out and i still think ultimately that that game may come to pc someday which i guess maybe at the very least, with PlayStation Now, you'll be able to play it on PC eventually. Um, you know, PS4 games just launched on PlayStation Now, which blows my mind. You can now play PlayStation 4 games on PC. <laughs> think about that. Um, and I think this game will be no different. I think probably a year exclusive on Xbox platform platforms or whatever. And then I wouldn't be shocked if it ends up coming out on, on other platforms ultimately. I think really... The only games that end up being exclusive forever are straight-up first-party games. If you're, if you make it, mm-hmm. you have control of it ultimately. Yeah. Because to pay someone for an infinite exclusive, like how do you even put a price on that? Yeah. Like if you're the studio making Cuphead, how much do you ask Microsoft for to say this game forever is going to be? Ex-? I mean, look at what happened with Tomb Raider. Like yeah. Tomb Raider, everyone thought that was going to be exclusive. It ended up coming out a year later yeah. on PlayStation Four. Like. I just don't see it ever happening unless it is straight up first party content. To me, that's the only way I ever believe that a game is exclusive forever. Well, I think what's interesting is why Microsoft doubled down on Cuphead. Why they didn't just kind of let it slip and realize, like, okay, like why they, they reinvested and kind of came back. Like, yeah. No, 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 no. We really want to make, we really want to alert people that this is exclusive to the system. I wonder if they're kind of stepping away from like the Battlefield Gears of War mentality, the Call of Duty. You know the the the. I don't the, think by choice. The rough and tough, like because like seeing I can't even remember what it was called, but the sequel to Lucky's Tale. That, super, uh, it was super Lucky's super Tale. Super Lucky's Tale. <laughs> That's what it is. I thought it was. Co- I, I I had to leave because I went to go to an EA appointment, so I had to leave the Microsoft press conference early. Yeah. So I'm like I'm like in the back, like walking around by the bathrooms and just kind of squinting, like is that Conquer? Like what am I? Like, no, at first it looked like Conquer. Yeah. Because and, I thought it was like at first when I saw that I was like, oh my god, they revived. Conquer's 12 Tales. Because Conquer, when it was first announced yeah. and shown, was a kid's game. That's right. And then they ended up warping it in yeah, or yeah. into what it became. And the first, like, 20 seconds that we sat here and we were watching the press conference live, and Matt was here, and I'm like, oh, my God, did they, like, revive Conquer's 12, 12 Tales? And he's like, no. He's like, <laughs> he's like, that's a fox. And I was like, it looks like a squirrel to me, damn it. Like, <laughs> and it turned out it was, like, the sequel to a, a VR game. Right, Lucky's Tale was an Oculus exclusive first. Um very generic looking 3D platformer, I might add, but 
but colorful and yeah. you know clearly something like the kids would like and just got way more play during the press conference than I had expected. Oh, yeah. And uh, Sea of Thieves, which you know, granted, you're slicing at people with knives and uh, shooting them in the face, but like still very jovial and yeah, yeah. Uh, and so it, I, I wonder if that is a attitude that they prize nowadays, and they definitely want to focus on that. Um, well, whether, think, whether that's going to translate in sales or whether they expect it to game sales, I don't know. But like, it may just to have, have this image choice, of like though. Xbox is fun, like yeah. to maybe counter like the hardware because like to show off the hardware, you don't show a Cuphead, you don't show Sea of Thieves, yeah, yeah, you don't show right. that. Although kind the of water stuff. in Sea of Thieves looks amazing, better than I thought it would. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's incredible. It's like mind blowing yeah. how good it looks. It's, 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 it's visuals that came are interesting because there's some things like that that are like, oh, that's gorgeous. Like, and some things are like, that's great. a cartoon, but yeah, that's gorgeous. And then this is like, exa- like photorealistic water, and yeah. then there's like this cartoon dude that walks in front of it. You're yeah. like, what the hell's going on? It is a very odd art style for that game. But uh, so, what if just a cuphead is a nice balance to just everything yeah. they do in their portfolio? Again, the, that three seconds of a montage that reminds you, like, oh yeah, they got a lot of diversity there. In, yeah, yeah. In the Microsoft camp. Going back to what you were saying though, I don't know if the switch in tone was by choice. Because Microsoft used to sign all the deals with with the Activisions for Call of Duty and mm-hmm. Destiny and stuff like that. It used to get the DLC map packs first. Yep. And those games used to be shown at Microsoft's press conference. I mean, it can't show that stuff anymore. And it mm-hmm. has to show something. So I'm just wondering if because Sony has kind of taken all those timed exclusives away as far as DLC is concerned. And because all that stuff's getting debuted with Sony now. If Microsoft was just kind of forced to start showing this wider Maybe. palette of games. Yeah. But uh, do you agree with me that unless it's first party, no exclusives aren't really exclusives? Yeah, especially if they're coming out to be like, uh, just to remind everybody, this is exclusive. It sounds right. like, okay, it sounds like yeah. it might be a temporary thing because <laughs> yeah. it means more to you that they know it this year specifically. Right. You know, leading up to launch that like, you're going to want to buy it now. Buy it now on the Xbox. You think Cuphead's going to be delayed again? Oh, gosh, I hope not. <laughs> I need to. Yeah, it's hard that, to bet against that. I mean, it's been delayed like three times now, and that that yeah, that game needs some good old uh, uh, fan feedback. That game's <laughs> hard as balls, by the way. Have you played it yet? Uh, yeah. Well, I I I hope that uh, translates in people being excited and and watching people play the game well on yeah. you know streaming and stuff like that. I just want that game to do well. Yeah, I do to. too. I mean, it's obviously, so, it's so unusual, and it, it just celebrates. Um, uh, people, I was going to say, but celebrates people who have to mortgage their houses to make video games. Like, I never want that to happen, but like, you know, celebrates that passion of. Uh, no, seriously. I mean, look, anybody who mortgages their house to do anything, I'm going to root for them. <laughs> Period. I don't yeah. care what you're talking about, games, you're talking about anything. If somebody is that passionate about something that they're going to mortgage their house to complete a project, I'm going to root for them. Bottom and line. It, and it's one of those things that will lead to conversations. Kids playing like this art style is really interesting. This is a new thing. You're like, well, it's not a new thing. Actually. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, these are the cartoons I watched kid. Yeah. If you have kids that are like kind of curious to dig up old cartoons and stuff, yeah. it's like win win. I think they'd also be shocked at some of the things that happen in those cartoons. Exactly. <laughs> you could you could see Mickey Mouse doing some crazy stuff yeah. before, <laughs> before the phrase political correctness even yep. existed. Yeah, things have changed a lot. So, all right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about Crash Bandicoot. I have uh, been on this show for the last several weeks talking about how I'm not a fan of Crash Bandicoot whatsoever. Ah, all right. Um, I played the games when they came out. I thought they were not good. Um, this week, it was revealed that Crash Bandicoot in the UK sold extraordinarily well, like crazy well. It sold better in its first week than Horizon Zero Dawn. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So... <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that is. Uh-huh. Um, so what I wanted to t- 
suck. I don't want to spend all this time bashing Crash. I don't know if you're a Crash fan or not, but I am not. So I was just shocked to see that this game sold better than... Yeah. I think we can all agree that Horizon Zero Dawn is the better game of course, by yes. yeah, several no magnitudes. Even with all of the remastering that they've done, yes. and new modes, new characters. I think even people who are fans of Crash would admit that Horizon's the better game overall. And look, a, quality, a game's quality is no guarantee of sales whatsoever. Uh, that, I'm under no illusion that that would be the case. But Horizon was very well marketed by Sony. Everyone knew about the game. I think what this shows, and what I want to discuss with this topic, is the power of nostalgia. Oh yeah, it's a commodity. It <laughs> it is it's a currency. Yeah, I mean, it's they, a obvious. It tr- directly translated yeah. into real currency in this yeah. case. Um, how important do you think it is? Uh, it's important uh, so much so that uh, I think some mistakes that Sony has made uh, have actually worked well in their favor because, like, they came out. Uh, on one of the best press conferences I've seen in recent E3 years, their big, like, God of War opening, you know, Bear McCreary, yeah, like, yeah. with the orchestra, yeah, like, yeah. just that incredible show. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Sean comes out with Crash behind him. And I think that was actually kind of a mistake to, like, introduce the Crash before he started talking. Yeah. Because he came out and Crash was behind him. And people were like, oh, they're doing it. It's a new game. Oh, my goodness. This is going to be the best. What is he going to announce? And he's like... He's in Skylanders, and people are like, yeah, we knew that. And we're remastering the first three games. People are like, uh, oh. oh. And so I think that... No, people still freaked out and stood up and th- cheered. And they did, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think there was that confusion about, like, okay, what, 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 what's he about to announce? And uh, I think that kind of well, fed into this desire. Well, he had worn the T-shirt desire. the year before, right? Right. Yeah. And so I think that kind of fed into, des- into the desire, which as much as people like this game, uh, they still want just a brand new Crash experience. They still want to, like, you know, either... Um, get a brand new thing, kind of like a Sonic Mania, where it's like plays the same, you know, like the old games. There's just more of it, um, and maybe we can throw in like a new idea here or there, or like drastically Mario 64, like completely just shake up like what what it means to be Crash. And I wonder if people are so excited about that that this is kind of like a a, a middle ground. It is cheap. I think it's what thirty nine, forty dollars, something like that, mm-hmm. or is it thirty dollars? I do not know. I can't remember. It's cheap though. It's a, it's a good deal. I mean. If you even vaguely like the game, I yeah, I think it might be forty. Are you surprised it? though that I mean, you look think back to that press conference when they announced it. All the people are standing up and cheering. They were in their like early twenties. Mm-hmm. I mean, this game, these games were released like the year they were born. Yeah. So are you surprised that people who are so young have so much nostalgia for this franchise? And I mean, and extrapolate that across the entire industry with any franchise. Is it surprising to you that? Some of these franchises that are being revived, that the young people are so enthusiastic about them being revived, even though they weren't kind of there in their glory days. I think there is a lot about Crash that uh, uh, that the younger set can identify with now. Uh, I think he is kind of like the underdog, you know, uh, in in a lot of sense. Obviously, his character, he's a little, you know, less... He's insane, literally, you know. So, yeah. like, a <laughs> little, little less put together than a Mario or a, or a Sega. Somebody wouldn't expect to kind of push front and center as, like, your mascot. Right. Um, and I like Crash as a character, though. Yeah, he, yeah. He's, he's, he's a funny character. He's got a good attitude. Um, I just don't like his games. And <laughs> So uh, far. Um, uh, what's interesting now, actually, that a lot of people are noticing is the difficulty. Yeah. And, and I'm surprised that that's something that that people weren't more aware of or that they weren't kind of playing into his popularity. That people were like, no, but no, I'm excited about this. I think a lot of these this. people, the only Crash they ever played was that little segment in Uncharted 4. Right. <laughs> like, 
And that was enough to remind me yeah. that I wanted no part of Unseen Trilogy. <laughs> but I just think there's something about this this character who kind of played against your typical rules of how you were supposed to advertise a game and how um, you were supposed to act in commercials. And, yeah, yeah. And, uh, He's very uh, antagonistic. How seriously you're supposed to take a narrative in a platforming game. Yeah. Uh, and, um, yeah, and I think that just kind of speaks to people um, in, in a weird way just because he... He doesn't take himself that seriously, and I think he kind of represents that. I wouldn't go so far as to call it like an anti-establishment thing because it, yeah, is, yeah. it is Sony that's hawking it, but yeah. um, it's just silly. It's just it's bizarre. Yeah, he's he's just a strange character that does not take the industry seriously, doesn't take his own franchise seriously, uh, and I think that. Uh, how think, much of it do you think is that the fact that no matter how young or old you are, you know that Crash was Sony's first ever mascot? Um, are you surprised that people know that, or, or do you think a lot of people? How don't, much do or? you think it plays into the support oh. of the game that people know, no matter how old or young they are, that this is Crash is Sony's first Mario. I mean, he was the first character that they promoted as a PlayStation branded character. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know if that specific nostalgia, because I think a lot of people. Uh, yeah, if you're like us and you come from that era, it's like everybody had their own dumb. There was like Gex and so you know, like, yeah. like, but I mean, he was the mascot for PlayStation. Right. I mean, he went outside Nintendo's headquarters with a bullhorn right. and called Mario out. Yeah. And, I mean, he was. And look, fanboyism isn't a new phenomenon. I mean, it was alive and well during the Sega versus Nintendo. It, it was alive and well with the N64 versus the PlayStation. Like, these are kind of the characters that fanboys, quote unquote, tend mm. to resonate with and, and look at and say, that's my guy, that's our soldier in the battle, so to speak. Um, do you think if that any of that has anything to do with how well this game's being received right now? Um, yeah, that it's, it's, that if you are the Sony party, that like, that, yeah, this is kind of your rallying cry. Yeah. Um, yeah, to, to, uh, and I wonder if it also is too, you know, that, I mean, it's pretty clear uh, with, I, I think obviously this game was in development when they made the deal to put uh, Crash in uh, Skylanders, and that came from yeah. Spyro, and right. Spyro and Cla Crash have had collaborations before. Well, but the first Skylanders was a Spyro game. Uh, correct, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, it's it's Skylanders, uh, Skylander's Spyro's Adventure yeah. or something like that. Um, but, um, it, yeah, so it's interesting to see him on the show now. They yeah. have their Netflix show. It's like, oh yeah, Spyro's back. Yep. But, um, so it made sense to me when I first heard it. People were like, I think they're going to make a new Crash Bandicoot. And it's like, I doubt that. Yeah. <laughs> but then he, like, showed up at Skylanders. And I was like, oh, maybe they maybe, are. Yeah, and yeah. then, you know, Sean comes out on stage. And it's like, oh, are they going to announce it here now? And they're like, we're going to remaster. And I'm like, ah, I get it. So they'll kind of check, like, we don't really know if he's still famous or still popular. And so I wonder if a lot of fans also see this as an investment in that game. That, like, be. this has got to do well because well, I think, because Sony's testing me right now. Well, and if think, nobody runs out and buys this game, then no, for sure nobody's going to buy a new one. Well, I believe Sony actually did that dog whistling all on its own. I think it came out and said, hey, we're looking at how Insane Trilogy does to decide what the future of the franchise. Or at least I think Activision came out and said that. Um, and I think also that this isn't exclusive for good either. Mm. I think it's only a year exclusivity. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so another case where... I can see it coming to Switch before it comes to yeah. the Xbox. Or, yeah. I mean, it'll probably come to both in a year or whatever. Especially after how well it's selling. So, yeah. um, so it's interesting to kind of look at that quotient of nostalgia versus quality. Yeah. Because you have Horizon Zero Dawn, one of the very best games released this year, that sold great. Yeah. But then you have this other game that just because it's Crash Bandicoot and it's kind of a renaissance type deal, 
that is selling, at least in the UK, is selling better than Horizon. I mean, it'll be yeah. it'll be interesting to see if it actually has legs. Uh, and if it's not just kind of like that knee-jerk fan reaction and everyone's picking it up, or if it's the price. I mean, that's another kind of wild card that you can factor into this. But it's very interesting to see the power of IP. Yeah. Because that's really what it is. I mean, Horizon is this brand new IP, this shiny new toy, but you have this kind of old standard here that everyone loves and maybe people have plushies for, of and all this kind of I, stuff. I think one of the other things, too, that it is attractive to me, that if I was to, like, to sell Insane Trilogy to somebody, like, compared to a lot of other, like, remasters, to compare to, like, buying Skyrim for, like, the eighth time. Like, yeah. it's exciting that Skyrim got a remaster, but, like, it was in HD the first time I played it. It looked pretty good. Right, right. Uh, and so it's just like, oh, it looks a little better now. And this doesn't happen all that often. That you have a franchise that's so old right. that's just barely 3D. <laughs> you know, You're right. Like because the original Crash games are just oh, barely yeah. holding together <laughs> yeah. and totally redo it. Everything. Yeah, yeah. The characters, every object, All the, assets, the yeah. backgrounds. Like when I played at E3, uh, I remember like looking at the backgrounds and being like, wow, the backgrounds look really good. And it's like, did the first one have backgrounds? Right. Like, <laughs> I see like a, you know, like the, the, the mountain, you know, in yeah. the distance, and it's like, I don't even know if that was there in the original. And so this yeah, look, was this is one remaster that I'm okay with it happening. Because a lot of remasters, they're like remastering games from like the prior gen. Yeah. And it's like like God of War. How many times has it been remastered now, all those games? Right. Like, I didn't need that. This one makes sense. Yeah. I mean, any original PlayStation game being remastered makes sense. Because, yeah. like you said, it was about as crude as polygonal graphics could be. I mean, that system just barely had enough to create polygonal graphics. And, like, so... For, so for, for me, when you say, like, I wasn't, I haven't always been a fan of Crash, I haven't either. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't have, like, you know, a grudge with Crash, but I just, like, was not... Uh, yeah, it was not a character that uh, I spent a lot of time with. But even with my limited understanding and the time that I've spent with Crash, I, I still am curious to see how it looks. You know, I, yeah. I still love to see comparisons. Oh, yeah, especially and judge for the games game. that you played 20 some years ago. Which is ago. why it's smart. Like, some of my favorite remasters have been all of. Uh, have been the the Monkey Island and Full Throttle, yeah, and, yeah. and you know, and and being able to press a button and go back and forth yeah, and see yeah. that stuff. So like, even if like oh, I'm, I, I like that game, and maybe I'll play through it, but that difference, I got to see that. Yeah. Um, and there's just not a lot of it was not a lot of remaster talk this year, so this is kind of one of the most exciting ones this year. So it's still those off. numbers are crazy. It is insane. <laughs> it is. Congratulations, though. Yeah. Obviously, the Activision and Sony tapped into something that I was not even aware existed, yeah. which is a crazy affinity for Crash Bandicoot. Like, I really just didn't think it was there. I figured most of the people who are big fans of Crash probably are, like, in their 50s and, like, don't even play games anymore. But somehow it's managed to resonate with the younger audience, which is great. We're probably going to get his, his own game now, I yeah. imagine, yeah. He'll, he will get a new game now, guaranteed. All signs are Which good. I'm totally fine with. I just yeah. didn't like these games, so... <laughs> If they put out a new game that uses a lot of the modern tropes of games or maybe even does something new and creative, I'm, mm -hmm. all, I'm all about it. So, we'll see. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about something that Michael Pactor has been talking about on Pactor Factor since the show launched. I think he's answered quite... He somehow manages to find a way to answer almost any question with, with the, the response that my house has 27 pieces of electronics with a CPU and a GPU. <laughs> It's seriously, he somehow like you could ask him a question about like anything, and he'll be like, "Well, you know, I have twenty-seven <laughs> CPU and GPUs in my house," and uh, he's right because that's exactly what's happening right now. Yeah. So uh, this week it was announced that Samsung is making TVs that have Steam Link built into them. So if you have a PC sitting in your back bedroom. And you have this Samsung TV, and it's wired into your network of your home or your apartment. You can now play Steam games on your TV 
with just a controller plugged into the USB port. And Pactor, people always ask him, you know, when are consoles going away? And he, I think his, his year changes, like almost every time he answers it. But the, he's been right, he was right. This is exactly what's happening. Um, you can, you, within like the next couple of months when these TVs launch, you'll be able to play PC games on your TV without having any console, any dongle, anything. The technology is just built into the Samsung TVs to go on the network, find your PC wherever it is on your network, and just start streaming games from Steam to your television. What do you think about that? It's pretty crazy. Um, it, for me, it's crazy tech-wise. It's tough for me to get in the consumer perspective and, you know, because... Again, it's like if you have a whole PC lying around and I'm just like trying to get into the head of that person. Right. Like plays PC games, maybe, but hasn't really, but does have the PC lying around. Is this like an old PC that they're not using? Like Well, it's it's still look, it's still dependent upon whatever hardware is in your PC. So if you have an old shaggy yeah, PC, right. you're only going to be able to play indie games probably. Right. But if you have a beastly PC that can play 4K games... Do you care about playing PC games on your television? <laughs> you know? I do. I definitely do. Okay. Yeah. Do you not? Um, well, it's like I can just you know, plug Some an HDMI cable work. out of my PC and I'm doing it. So I, I don't... Wait. So wait, you have your PC sitting in your living room is what you're saying. Well, it's my PC's in the studio. Yeah. So it's uh, like... It's so you right, don't play games in your living right room by... like on a couch or anything. We have a couch in your garage. So. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, I got think the Think about the average the person. Right. The average person has a living room where they play console games with their TV and their consoles. And then they have, if they have a gaming PC, it's generally in another room somewhere where they go to play their PC games. And I'm like that. My PC is back in a back bedroom. I play all my console games unless I'm recording or whatever. I play all my console games in the living room. When I go to play a PC game, I saunter on back to the back bedroom and I sit in an office chair and I play games that way. And to me, yes, for... A lot of PC games, I would much rather play them sitting on the couch with a controller. Sure. Um, some genres obviously don't work. MOBAs are really tough. Um, RTSs are really tough. Those, I feel like you're always going to kind of have to sit and play in yeah. a computer chair. But, I mean, that makes up a very small percentage of PC games these days. It used to make up a much bigger percentage. Uh, but now, not so much. It's like every game comes out for PC now that's on consoles unless it's a first party game so yeah like i'm totally all about That's playing pc games on the couch because a lot of a lot of tech stuff that i get excited about i definitely do hear uh in uh, our community and others uh from the pc community always this like kind of backlash where it's like well yeah the pc's been doing that for years you know it's like we're talking about the switch earlier and it's like it's just really cool i can take you know it's like i have this tablet thingy with controllers on it it's like well they've been releasing peripherals for the ipad ever since it first came out where yeah. you could do that and um and uh and so yeah, it's this to me that would, would seem that I'm kind of expecting that reaction or that that commentary from PC people who are like, I I I am so into the PC that I do I have that set up. You know, I have a super long HDMI cable that goes <laughs> all the way from up my to PC my PC into the living room. Yeah, that like if this if it was that important enough to me, you know, to have PC gaming fit my lifestyle that way, then I would make it happen. And so uh, when I th- when I hear about things packaged into televisions, it seems more for like, hey, you're buying this TV, and so let's create this functionality for people that might not have thought about it before. And that's weird to me to imagine that gamer that will get that much of a benefit from it and yet hasn't already made it happen themselves already. Because that kind of, to me, is like the nature of the PC community. Well, one like, thing I will say is... I want to make my machine do this thing. Now it, I went and did it, and now it does the thing. One thing I will say is the Steam Link has had crazy sales in the last, like, two months. Like, it's been down to, like, 19 
Cool. Um, so till, yeah, not something I've been following. Yeah, so to your point, um, if you're saying that most people who have PCs have already figured out a way to do it, like in the last couple of months, it's been relatively cheap to do it mm-hmm. and not have to run there that HDMI cable all the way out to their entertainment center or whatever. But still, don't. I don't even know if this is necessarily for hardcore PC gamers because I completely agree with you that right. PC gamers, I mean, they, they call themselves the master race for a reason. Like, they... They're all about the PC, and they—I think they like sitting there using a mouse and a keyboard, mm-hmm. and sitting in a computer chair, and having their surround sound set up around their computer chair. I don't—I think when, when Patrick talks about it, and when I'm talking about it, here is the casual folks who maybe don't want to buy a console. They will find out the easiest way to play the newest games. They already have the PC that they use for whatever reason. Although that is kind of dwindling as well. Uh, the average consumer doesn't really own PCs anymore because smartphones do so much. Um, but that can change. And with the, the advent of the Steam Box and be able to buy like a cheap PC in a shuttle case that can still play most of the modern games, but then also can still do word processing and graphics and video production and all that sort of thing. I do think there's kind of a market there mm-hmm. for this. Um, and still, even what we're talking about now with this new technology with Samsung, it's still not exactly what Pactor was talking about because... The CPU and the GPU still aren't, and I hate saying that, but or still aren't in the TV. Yeah. It's still, there is another CPU and GPU somewhere else, mm-hmm. and that is that whatever that is creating is just being streamed into right. the television. So it's still not the Pactor future that we're streaming. Been talking about. You know, there's quality issues, latency issues potentially, yeah. like um, uh, streaming games is not something, yeah, from the hardcore set that I hear spoken of very favorably. Right. Yeah, I don't think it's for them, and I would never think that they would jump on board with this. You're right. right. They'll hardwire that sucker all the way up to their TV if they want to. They're not going to, I don't think, I think maybe that's why Steam Link is so cheap and why it's been discounted so much because the PC hardcore gamers are like, screw that. Right. Like, I'm not going to send. Like, but that the, does seem like a good parent gift. Like, yeah. that's like a great dad's birthday. Oh, yeah. We're just like, you know that, you know, you're always playing, dad, you're always playing Portal on your PC, yeah. you know, but now you can play it on the TV. And like, yeah. Oh, thanks, son. I mean, to me, that's a huge bonus, being able to kick my feet up and play on a couch. Like, right. But to me, it, it, with gaming, it always depends on the game. Like, it, yeah. like, like I, I rarely find myself in a setting and be like, I could play anything here. You know, it's always like, no, there's usually a very specific type of game I'm going to play. Either, like, I found, an, I found a, a way to play games and I want to find games that are right for that, or I like a game and I want to try to play it in many places that I can. But it's, it's rare that, like, I'll be sitting on the couch and, and just be like, I want more stuff here. Because usually, like, I could, again, I could take my Switch and bring it here. Or yeah, I yeah. can, like, you know, I'm totally happy playing many, many games on my phone. The other thing um, I would say, too, though, is that PC gaming is much cheaper. It's it can far, be, yeah, definitely. I mean, it definitely is. I yeah. mean, you look at the Steam sale, you could go to a, the, the summer sale, the Steam summer sale, every year. Right. And spend $50, $60. And you're freaking set for, like, the rest of the year. I mean, yeah. if you're not, like, a crazy hardcore gamer like us who's like, I need the next game now as soon yeah. as it comes out. If you just love games and you're like, you know, I play an hour or two a night, kick my feet up after a long day at work, like, this setup could be any, everything you that, ever need. That, that, yeah, $50 Steam gift card is great. I mean, that, <laughs> that would so set you up for like a year's worth that. of yeah. gaming. Yeah. Like, I mean, or just seriously. wait for a good sale. and just Yeah, like, if you, you know, just wait for that. the big Steam sales, yeah. like where you literally can buy bundles of games for $15. You have 20 brand new games. Like, um, you know. And, so, yeah, so it's, it's, t- it's cool. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's neat. It's super neat tech. But um, uh, it, it, to me, it, it fits more into the convenience 
uh, area. To me, to me it, it fits more into someone came into a store to buy a TV and I'm selling them that this could give more value to something you own already and not necessarily I went to that store to begin with to get that Steam thing. I oh, about. for sure, for sure. You know what I mean? Oh, without a doubt. But do you not think that it gives Samsung a leg up on selling TVs? Because... yeah. I don't own a 4K TV. If yet. I worked at a Best Buy, I could sell this hard. Like, I, I could definitely. Def yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like, I don't own a 4K TV. I mean, the one behind me in the office is a 4K TV, but at, at home, I don't have one. So I'm getting to that point now where I'm at least starting to think about, okay, mm -hmm. I have this 1080p plasma I've been using. Maybe it's time to upgrade to 4K. And for me, absolutely, it makes me look more closely at a Samsung television. Absolutely. There you go. It, it, like, if I'm looking at a Panasonic and a Samsung... And I'm like, well, the quality seems to be about the same. Yep. I'm buying the freaking Samsung. I totally am buying it. Like, I have so many games. Honestly, I have so many games that I've bought on Steam sales that I've never even opened. And I guarantee you, if I had a Samsung TV that popped up a little interface that showed me my huge library of Steam games, I would play them. Right. Because there's lots of times where I'm just sitting on a couch and, like, I end up, like, surfing YouTube or whatever. Like, would I rather play games? Like, I just... I, you're right. It's not going to... It's not what gets you in the store, yeah. but it, it's what makes you walk out with the Samsung TV instead of some other brand, yeah. I think is a good way to put it. It's something I'm going to buy to fit my lifestyle. I'm not necessarily going to change my lifestyle because yeah. this new thing came out, which is going to... yeah. But I think it could change the lifestyle of more casual players, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's the, per the, the those people in the middle. Yeah. Uh, like, I don't play PC games anymore because I don't really care. I play P PC games a lot. You know, leave me alone. <laughs> like, right in the middle. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, That's the sweet spot. I think it's pretty awesome. I'm pretty excited about it. Um, looking in the chat, people, a lot of people are like, I don't like playing with a mouse and keyboard. I mean, that's the other part of it, too. A lot of people don't like playing games with a mouse and keyboard. I, uh, I played uh, the Lawbreakers beta, uh -huh. the one that was like five months ago or whatever, when they first like did their beta. And I am terrible with a mouse and keyboard playing shooters. And that game in particular is insane. Have you played that yeah, game? Yeah, that game is bonkers. Dude! <laughs> Man, I love Rohan, but that game is so complicated, man. Played it on PC, it's like, hit tab to look behind you, and you have to look behind There's you. There's O on a keyboard, uh, yeah. Dude, it was I, crazy. Well, see, see on E3, I played on PS4, and I think yeah. I just naturally got the controls a little bit Yeah, better. yeah. I mean, look, I get it, the depth, you want it there, especially if you're trying to build like a, an eSports environment around a shooter. Yeah. You want it to be complicated, because the more complicated it is, the easier it is to separate the good from the bad, and the, right. and the good from the great, and the great from the amazing. Um, but man, when I played that on PC, and I hadn't played a bunch of PC games for a while, I was, oh my god, it was embarrassing. I mean, I, there have been, I go through periods with PC where I play PC games for a lot. Like when I was in college, like I had a PC with a Voodoo 2 card. Went during the N64, Dreamcast, PlayStation 1 era. And I mean, that Voodoo 2 card just destroyed anything i mean it wasn't even even the dreamcast wasn't even in the same stratosphere as that voodoo 2 card so i played a ton of pc games like i played tribes i was and, just gonna say like, when are we getting to tribes yeah baby? <laughs> but seriously like i yeah. play i played a ton of p and then once consoles got to where okay they're comparable to pc sure i can spend six hundred dollars to get a, a, v, a pc card yeah. that'll make it look a little better than what i'm getting on console that's when i kind of went away from pc gaming and now i think we're kind of in that area again where if you invest in pc you're getting like a huge leap until like xbox one x comes out anyway right. so um i have always gone in like patterns with pc gaming it's like i'll do it a lot and i won't do it at all i'll do it a lot and it just so happens i'm in the i won't do it at all period right now i'm playing right. lawbreakers just brought me to my <laughs> knees yeah 
But uh, yeah, I think I'll be playing that on PS4. So, and again, going back to what prompted this whole tangent, which yep. was some people do not like to play with a mouse and keyboard any type of game. So, um, but then you just tell them to plug in an Xbox 360 controller anyway. So, all right, let's move on to our last topic mm. of the week. We're going to talk about game coverage. So, both you and I worked at a major outlet where we had big budgets and lots of resources, and tons of people working with and for us. So let's just kick this all off by saying, about me asking you, what do you miss most about those days of working at Game Trailers versus what you're doing right now? Uh, connecting with that set of people every day. Yeah. F physically in person. Yeah. That's a big loss. It's <laughs> the biggest thing Ever. There's so it, it is. It's the most uh, broken record I've been at Easy Allies since we started. As far as answering questions, people are like, "You don't do that anymore. Why?" And I'm like, "We don't have an office." Yeah. And, and like, and it's interesting because it's it's you have to communicate to those people that they're like, "Yeah, but I understand you still have all that. You got the same cameras. You got or you have like the cameras. You got the same people, and you can go out and do stuff." And it's like, it's in that culture, uh, not only. Um, uh, is the energy up, and so you know you're excited to do new things. Obviously, you're physically all there in the same place, um, but it's just it, you, you foster ideas quicker that way. Yeah. Um, uh, a lot of times when uh, things that now we would have to would be like a multi-day process to realize, like, okay, we you know, because sometimes we'll go to previews and stuff, and like we think, well, we'll maybe stream this game, and that's really all the coverage that we're going to do. Yeah. But then sometimes it's like, no, we finished the game. Like Horizon, actually, we did a, like a spoiler mode where like this this plot was so interesting, we got to sit down and talk about that, and we're not going to do that for every game. But it takes a couple days or weeks for to for to realize, okay, yeah, we should make that video. Yeah. It was like back in the day, hey, you want to do just real quick, five minutes? Can we just do? And we would just do it. Yeah. You know? And. So so um, to to yeah to miss those kind of like knee jerk uh, shoots just that kind I miss of like it too, drop man. of a hat stuff yeah I miss the uh, working together on stuff is what I miss the most like I work from home a lot and it's so funny I think everyone that works a job at a corporation where they're around a bunch of people and they have maybe they have a jerk boss or whatever I think everyone dreams of working from home mm -hmm. and when I first started it I was like wow this is kind of cool yeah. like. I don't have to eat just at lunch. Yeah. It's like, if I get what hungry... What day is it? Yeah, it's like, if I get hungry, I just walk to the refrigerator and I eat something. Yeah. Like, And at first, it's like this really alien, cool kind of thing. Um, and after a year, I was completely and utterly over it. <laughs> Working from home is so lonely. Yeah, It's like, I can't... I'm still doing it now. I can't take it anymore. I, I've reached my breaking point. Like... You work at home by yourself. I don't know how much you work by yourself, but I'm guessing you probably go out to the garage and cut stuff yep. or whatever, and it's just you. Yep. And at first, and my dog. Yeah. <laughs> and at first, it's great. But after a while, you're just like, man, I would really love to bounce an idea off somebody. Yeah. The collaboration, the camaraderie, the feeling of whenever you work on something together and you think it's insane and then it works. Just having someone to give a high five to. Yeah. <laughs> like... It's like I never anticipated. Well, just it. hearing stuff. Yeah, you know, just like, having I'd, that I'd ambient noise around you, or people I'd just hear a conversation in. going for twenty minutes and then be like, "I, I, 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 I get up, but I'm gonna go jump <laughs> in." And be like, "Look, <laughs> I miss all of that. Yeah. Um, that is the biggest drawback to me of kind of this new." 
uh, games coverage that we're a part of right now. It's like it's like a satellite. Everything's a satellite office, and you're working with these people. It's like I want to see Sam. Like Sam's a good dude. Right. Like I love talking to Sam about sports and all this other stuff. It's like we see each other when we record, and then that's it. Like. Yeah. And Sam's smart, and he has great ideas, and I would love to collaborate with him on stuff, but it's just, like, not the way... Well, that's, what's, that's what's really tough, is we're like, we'll be like, okay, so we're going to shoot our tabletop, our, like, D&D show. We're like, we're going to shoot that, uh, you know, uh, at uh, 3 p.m., so everybody show up at 3 p.m., and it's like, we'll you show up at 3 p.m., and then we'll all, you know, shoot the shit for 3 yeah. minutes, <laughs> and then we'll shoot at 3.30, really, you know? Yeah. And so it's tough to be, you know... Because it's like cracked out whip and be like, okay, let's get to work because it's like, I, I miss you guys. Yeah, I want to yeah. talk about that stuff. Yeah. We're talking on Slack all the time, but it's like, yeah, to have that. Um, well, the other thing too is if the other guys are working somewhere else mm-hmm. where they're around other people, maybe they have a full-time job somewhere else. It's like they show up and they're like, let's get this done. Yeah. <laughs> because I already worked today and I need to get lunch and yeah. or whatever. And you're like, no, let's hang out for a little uh, bit. Yeah. Like, no, <laughs> like the show is over and you're like, you want to blah, blah, blah. Like, it's really bizarre. Um, and that's the part that I miss, the people, the the face-to-face communication, uh, the bouncing of ideas, the idea generation, and just coming up with like that spark and then have someone come else come over and go, and it goes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh, wow. Yeah. Like, and just the feeling of just doing things together, like, that's what I miss the most. Um, and it's, like, you, interesting. You look at kind of funny. Like, they're they're different because they all live, like, together. Right. They're kind of, like, in this little fraternity where, like, they all kind of are around each other. And that could be bad, too, uh, because you start to get on each other's nerves. Right. And then it kind of the, the friend work thing starts to cross the line. I think that's really, to me, the social part of it is the hardest part about doing this but then there are the perks it's like you can go and do like i need an oil change it's like you're right you go get the oil change like so it gives you more flexibility but i think after i've done it now for several years like i would trade all that stuff and my wife you know she works a normal job Mm -hmm. comes home at like seven or eight o'clock she wants to stay at home yeah because she was out all day (laughs) yeah yeah, and i'm like i need to get the hell out of here (laughs) like i don't care where we go or what we do right i just need to get out of this place for a little while so you kind of have that juxtaposition too i mean your wife is kind of it's actually kind of the opposite because she yeah she works from home and so we kind of like need to get away from each other other. yeah yeah it's It's crazy um Let's let's talk about where you think everything is headed. Or do you think we've already reached where everything is headed? Do you think that what we're seeing right now with kind of like these satellite workers, everyone working from home, um, the influencers, the YouTubers, and the Twitch streamers, do you think this is the final frontier, or do you think there's somewhere else to go? Um, what I, yeah, I think we're just yeah we're starting to see it right now. I, I think um, it's. It's tricky because one of the things that we had to establish really early on was that, like, I don't want Easy Allies to be game trailers. I don't want people to be yeah. thinking. I don't want you to have, like, all of those expectations. Have those expectations regarding us and what you like about us and maybe things personally that we've done and what we're capable yeah. of doing. But, like, I don't want you to just constantly be asking, like, where are all these things because you were able to deliver that stuff before. Um, and so it was interesting kind of stepping back and looking at, like, what, what what is this? What are we creating here? And so, like, and like I said earlier, like, the, the community became such a big part of that. Um, and that changed so much from what I did previously. And so the, uh, we, we talked a little bit about production values. And so like, you know, we would have, uh, we wouldn't even think of doing something before we didn't have a graphics package, you yeah, know? And so yeah. now, you know, like, I'll, I'll literally like be just about to export it. And it's like, oh, I don't have a title. Oh, shit. I know, it's, 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 <laughs> like, it started oh, like that. Like when we first started, we were like, oh, we have to have a graphics package for every show we do. Yeah. yeah now yeah. it's just like, they're so expensive. Yeah. I mean, that's the other part of it too, is like spending your own money on everything. Yeah. That changes everything. It changes how you look at what you're going to do, how you're going to do it, when you're going to do it. 
Um, yeah, like when we first started, it's like we need a graphics package. I try to just basically do what we did at game trailers. After a while, you realize one, a lot of people don't care. All right. And two, it doesn't really make the content any better. It just makes it look more professional. And three, there's kind of been a turning away of the more polished, professional-looking stuff. Like right. it doesn't really resonate the way that it used to. Right. Um, it uh, and I don't think people necessarily look at it as like something that separates. Uh, good content from bad content anymore. Yeah. It's really about the people and yeah. what the people are saying. Well, look at look at. That's uh, why I'm so fascinated with press conferences. Is because like, what what is your favorite moment from? Obviously, your favorite moment is that game you didn't know was right. going to be announced and it got and it announced was, and yeah. that's awesome. You know, but like when you're uh, the, the the stuff that is not concerning stuff that you're directly excited about or anticipating, it's like is it. Um, you know, the, the exec coming out on stage, the big music swell and the light changing and just like, hi, we here at Ubisoft, blah, right. blah, blah. Or is it like... Here's Just Dance. Or is it them announcing a way out <laughs> and uh, uh, was it Joseph like coming out on stage and forgetting his name and being like, what's right, happening? Right, you yeah. know, and you're like, yeah! You know, and it's like... And, yeah. and you don't always want things to go wrong, but like, it's an interesting industry where we have these press conferences, we have these moments where it's like, all of a sudden, oh, you're a human being, you know, and it, it, it comes and goes like yeah, in a flash. Yeah. And then, okay, now we're back to this like hard corporate structure. And so I think one of the things that's really excited me a lot um, and is something that I feel that we're good at and I think is a strength that you do need to have regardless of what type of entertainment that you're doing is live. You know, yeah. is, is yeah. to me, that's like the ultimate, you know, uh, thing that you, you can't fake you know like you, oh, yeah. you, you have to be good at no cutting uh, it up <laughs> communicating to an audience yeah. you have to be good at you know keeping a conversation going you have yeah. to be you have to find this weird middle ground between presenter and fan and enthusiast but also host yeah for you sure. know and I, I think that's really what people are looking for and so it's interesting and even in the gt era less us hiring a lot of people they're like hi i'm a host and you're like cool <laughs> i don't identify with you at all you yeah, could do yeah. anything like yeah. i could throw you any kind of script or put you in front of any kind of thing and you could do it and that's that's amazing you, you like that is, def that is definitely its own yeah. skill but i mean it's more than reading it's teleprompter it's you gotta have energy and enthusiasm yeah, yeah. Um, and and so I think this kind of genuineness is something that uh, um, is scary because from our perspective, uh, you know, we'll, we'll put like I mentioned, four, you know, four hours of building Gundams. Like, yeah. all right, that's that that seems like the opposite of professionalism to me, or like yeah, you yeah. know, something that we could like sell. Like, you know, should, I tell you, what we're doing Shane. <laughs> <You know? laughs> we're building it, Gundams. It doesn't have that air of that, you know. Yeah. That, that we used to have at yeah. GT when we would announce things. It'd be a big deal, you know, because we knew, like, big people were going to be associated with it. We spent a lot of time and a lot of money on it. Yeah. Uh, and the production is going to be, like, really slick. And yeah. you're going to have, you're going to invest in some camera that's specifically right. made to show stuff being built on a tabletop. Right. And, no. Yeah. Um, uh, and so, yeah, I think that's the thing that, uh, the, that that excites me, that is that the, the people that are rising to the top are people that... Uh, um, communicate very well, connect with their audience really well, yeah. are very personable. And as I'm finding, as I'm going out into me meeting these events, are the same exact person that you meet in person. They I remember are, when I met yeah. the angry video game nerd for the first time when I met James. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, here we go, I'm going to meet the nerd. And I yeah. went up and he was like, hi. hi. He was just like, hi. Well, well, he was really a nerd. Yeah. <laughs> Awkward, socially awkward. It's like, and, wow, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas, like, you meet the Screw Attack guys or the Game Attack guys now, and, like, that's them. That's, 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 yeah, yeah. that's who they are talking they about. Are totally. I meet Greg Miller. That is him. That's great. Yeah, yeah. You know? 
Um, and so I think that um, those are the people that are uh, finding success now, is those people that can, can manage that. They can be themselves on camera, but still be professional, um, still allow for crazy things to happen, but still do the correct amount of planning beforehand. It's, it's a weird mix. Yep. So I don't know if you saw, but this week, Glixel was dissolved. Mm -hmm. Our old reviews editor at GT, Miguel Lopez, was working there, mm -hmm. and he was laid off again. Uh, Ryan Stevens was just laid off again from Yahoo. He was uh, producing content for its esports channel. Yeah. And Yahoo was purchased, and the new company that bought them decided to dissolve the esports initiative that it had just started. Yeah, and invested like a ton a little of money. Over a in. year, right? Yeah, yeah. And so Ryan is. It was doing of, really well. It was producing. Yeah, uh, I got to know Michael Martin, who was over there, and he's yeah. a really smart guy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but I, I mean, the esports thing is a whole other topic. Like, right. I don't know <laughs> that covering esports is ever going to be something that bears fruit. To be honest with you, because I feel like the outlets that pe for people who are really in esports, they already they go direct. Every one of those players has their own YouTube channel. I, I know one guy used to work with us at GT in sales. He has this crazy elaborate site that's built just to build fandom around those guys. So I, I think esports trying to break into that was probably not the greatest idea from the beginning. With all due respect to Ryan, I don't think he championed the idea. I think they just hired him on to produce for him or whatever. Mm -hmm. and, and now you see IGN is getting ready to launch a show on Disney XD. Yeah. How do you think that's going to do? Because that, to me, is sort of the ant antithesis yeah. of what we've been talking about. Well, yeah, it's, I am... Um... I also don't know if you noticed the cast for that show. Uh, no. I mean, it is like the rainbow of diversity. Okay. I mean... It... It, it, you, you, you will just never be able to make a gaming show that diverse. I remember uh, one of the most unhelpful meetings I've ever had on my end, I was the one being unhelpful, was when John Slusser, you, you mentioned it was our boss, B in the D, uh, called me into his office when they were planning GTTV. I think it was when we brought in Keeley yeah. and they were kind of structuring how that show was going to work. And Slusher calls me in the office. I've been friends with him a long time, family friends. And he was like, if you were to make a video game show from the ground up, what would you do? And I was like, I wouldn't do it, John. <laughs> He's like, what? <laughs> At all. I was like, I wouldn't make a video game show. That seems, that, that seems the opposite. Like, they are called video games. It's the interactivity. Yeah. The, the, that's your fan base. It's yeah, people yeah. that are just like, that sucks. Moving on. I'm going to do this now. Yeah. And you, th that's, the, that's not what TV is. You don't make TV for those people. The yeah. internet is what that is. And that's why gamers tick to the internet so much. That's why when you go to any kind of talkback thing anywhere in the internet, there's going to be a gamer in there at some point. Well, I mean, um, the only successful video game show very ever to the medium was the most different video game show ever which is x-play because mm -hmm. we did sketch comedy yeah and we just did something completely different and yes. it wasn't just hey here's ign.com or gametrailers.com but on tv right and that's what gttv was it appears to be that i don't know we haven't seen an episode yet but it appears that that's what ign show is going to be and those shows just never well, I didn't. Succeed. I never watched X play for your review. I watched X yeah. play for your hosts. I yeah, watched yeah, X play for the for the personalities. Yeah. You know, and and I, and I think that still holds true now. You know, like wherever people go, they're going to tune in because I like watching these specific people. But yeah. like thinking of what content you're going to cover in one specific show. The, the last group stream that we did, we do uh, t Tuesday nights. We play uh, a big. You know, sometimes we don't all get together. There's only like you know five or six of us. We we played Pooh's party game for the PS One. And we were pulling like 800 people watching on Twitch, you know? And it's like, <laughs> what do we do? Is this like yeah. some brand new late-breaking news here? Yeah, you know? Yeah. It's like, no, we're just getting together having fun. And so when you try like to make that show, that's like, this is going to be your one-stop shop for all gaming news. Uh, kind of funny just did that. Uh, they have uh, games, things called Game Daily. Games Daily was a totally different group. Well, they do it every day. I think it's called Game Daily now, yeah. yeah. And it's like, am I going to tune into that because I know I'm going to get the news here first? It's like, no, yeah. I like Greg Miller. I like Andrea and I like Daniel Dwyer, so I'm going to watch this. Yeah, and yeah. So, yeah, it's the... 
if you were to pitch me a gaming show, the first thing I would ask is who's in it. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, and, right. and then we would talk about what you're going to do during the show later. Because, because there's I, some people that can, can make anything work. I think the polish of television sometimes creates this invisible barrier mm-hmm. between the viewer and the hosts that are on it. And I think the way things are done now with how raw it is, um, the, that barrier is kind of dissolved. And I think it, it makes it easier for the viewer and the talent, if you want to call us talent, to connect. Right. I mean, even if it's just the chat, I mean, just the most literal example of, and we're about to, you know, we'll take Q&A here at the end and we'll answer questions for 30 minutes or whatever. That never happens on a TV show. Right. One, because most of them aren't live. Yeah. But two, it's just so hard to fit into production and not make it awkward. In yeah. television executives, the thing that they fear most is a moment of awkwardness on air. That working in TV, man, when we would, when we do E three coverage, the thing that was hilarious to me was uh, black. The, the, like any anytime a trailer would go to black for a second, ba-bum, the ba-bum, room ba-bum, would explode. Oh, yeah. What's happening? What's happening? You know, yeah. like, there was like error, error. You know, yeah. There can be no awkward pauses. There can be no pauses at all. Yeah. Like if there's a pause, there better be some graphic bump like flying in. Yeah, yeah, wham, 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 yeah, wham, yeah. wham. Like that's TV. Yeah. And uh, it just doesn't seem. I think the way things are now, it allows us to become friends with our audience. I mean, in in all truth, like, and again, because of the the way things are smaller and you don't have these communities, there's not 120,000 people who are going to watch this episode of Game Face. It's it's not going to happen. Like, it is going to be a smaller group of people. And we'll be able to connect here in a minute when we do our Q&A. And then the show goes up unsifted. And, you know, I'll be able to connect with all our subscribers on there and answer, actually answer all their questions. It just builds a tighter bond between the audience and the people who are running these outlets. And I think that resonates with people. It's like you feel like you're friends. In a lot of ways, yep. you are because you also learn about these people. Like, I know what some of the specific subscribers of Sifted like. Yeah. I know what movies they like. Yeah. I know what games they like. I know which ones are hardcore PC gamers. That never happened on GT. Right. And, and it's, it'll <laughs> well, def- Yeah, I'm, I'm miles away from when we first started GT. I don't know if you were around for this lingo. I don't want to put words in your mouth, especially because they're like, they're... Uh... They're, they're mean-spirited words, but like when we first... I know I had these conversations with Jeff Groats and John Slesser all the time, where it was like, we're going to beat IGN. We're going to beat the <laughs> spot. We're going to take... You see their numbers? We're going to get there. And like, we did. Like, there were, at the peak, we were close, actually. Like, we got... We were like number five I think I, I just talked crazy. about this on another podcast last... This past week. There was one month of Comscore where we were... We tied GameSpot, and we were two million unique short of IGN. One month. I think but, it was... Know. 20 feels good but 10. yeah but no that was a goal i mean you want you need that was everything i mean that yeah. was that wasn't just like a, a goal i mean this makes it sound like i have other goals it's like yeah, especially yeah. when i you know when i got bumped up to be eic of game trailers like that was everything so like yeah. when we were thinking of doing a show it was okay this has to be big somebody would pitch a show and it's like great idea fans would love that not going to do it because it's not going to earn yeah and like okay we're going to cancel this stuff I mean, I was gonna, I was threatened canceling Final Bossman for a while because it just yeah. it wasn't earning up into what Defy Media says it's got to do this number, and I'm right. like, it's just not. So yeah. I don't know how to get it there. Um, and now, what I'm finding, and I hope that this uh, uh, extends more into what other people are thinking of doing, is that like you have something like YouTube Red, and it's like I- I'm not gonna launch something unless I I know it has a huge audience behind it, unless it's like a guaranteed safe bet. And now, you know, with being with uh, being crowdfunded, like we have the 
opportunities to maybe start something and then see what it becomes just by doing it. Right. And then once we know a couple episodes in, okay, that's what that is. Okay, well, now we can maybe change it or modify it or like, oh, now its audience is growing. Okay, we can continue to change it further. And if it doesn't work, you just kill it and you don't do it again. Yeah. Like, it's so easy. One of our stretch goals was story time with Damiani. And and Damiani's like, I want to sit people down and I want to tell them about my experiences going into games. Mm -hmm. And our audience is basically like, you yeah. know, we were like, okay. Just <laughs> we, don't do it. We had it as a stretch goal for a while, and then we took it off because yeah. they're like, that's your every show you do is story time with all of you. And we were yeah, like, yeah. okay, good point. <laughs> um, um, but, um, and, and so it's it's really neat to have that flexibility. Unfortunately, like a lot of companies don't have that. Like if they, yeah. if some, you're finding out something new, all of the all of the work has been done beforehand. Now it's coming out. Well, I think it goes back to what we were talking about earlier about costs and how, you know, when we did something at GT, it had to have a graphics package. Mm-hmm. And that graphics package was sent out to some outside company and we'd pay like $30,000 for them to do the graphics package for it. Like there was, it was even then at GT, it was really hard to experiment on stuff. Like you yeah. had to be really smart with how you placed your bets. And if it failed, it was always on me because I was the one who decided whether something was going to happen or yeah. not. And so it intrinsically forces you to err on the side of caution and play it safe. And I think that is what YouTube has allowed people to do with, as far as influencers are concerned, they can do whatever the hell they want. Yeah. There's no risk. It's like, oh, I burned an hour on camera today and I spent another hour cutting it and 30 minutes like rendering it and uploading it. Like the commitment is so small that it allows you to experiment a lot more and try a lot of different things where with GT, it's like, okay, somebody came to me with an idea. I think about it. If I like it, then I bring it up in our editorial meeting that week. If everyone in editorial likes it, then we start shooting like a pilot of it. We look at the pilot. If I like it enough, I take it to John Slusser so he can look at it or to Brad Winter so he can look at it. If they give it the okay, then we start thinking about the graphics package and how big we... None of that exists anymore. Yeah. It really doesn't. And I think what we... For for some people. I mean, it's still, that's a lot of way. I mean, IGN still does stuff that way. I think GameSpot still does business that way. But for the most part, like, that's not... That's not really the way to success anymore, is what I guess I'm trying to get at. Like, um, I, look, I wish IGN all the best. I think it's a good thing that there are uh, shows about video games on television because it does reach an audience of people who don't know who we are, will never know who we are, and a lot of them who probably don't even know what who IGN is or what IGN mm. has done over the years. And it does open that door a little bit to get new people into the hobby who could become people who eventually support your Patreon or subscribe mm-hmm. to Sifted. Like, eventually they could become that. And if it's not us and we're not around anymore, it's somebody else is trying to do what we're doing. Yeah. Um, so there's, to me, there is value in a TV show. And I also see why IGN would try to create a really polished show because to the more casual player, that is what television is to them. I mean, maybe they have, like, a favorite YouTuber that, like, fixes cars or whatever, right. and they're okay with kind of those lower production values because they're just... They're just looking for that industrial application or trying to learn something. But a lot of people, when they sit down in front of the television, they want to be, like, blown away. And, and like, one of us sitting, or them, if they were to flip on Game Face right now and and see us, they'd be like, what the hell is this on television? Like, this isn't isn't television quality or whatever. Like, there was that one network called Current. Do you remember that? Yep. That was kind of like YouTube on television. It was like, hey, there's all these people out there that have cameras now. Let's just let them make content. We'll let the good stuff bubble to the top. Well, we see how that did. It's gone, dead, and buried already. So um, I do feel like the aesthetic that we carry into our content and the way that we handle our production, I do feel like in a lot of ways it is just organically a part of the gaming space. And uh, gaming... 
by nature is a, an isolating, lonely thing that you do. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is just you and the controller <laughs> and the television. And I think all of us, whether it's us or whether it's the people that are watching the show right now right. on Twitch or whoever watches Archive, I think we're all looking for ways to connect with people more. And going back to what you were saying about, you know, the people that you meet on your site, you meet them in real life and they're just as awesome. Like, you're absolutely right. Like, yeah. All the people that I ran into at E3 that are Sifted subscribers, were, we ended up talking for like 45, I'm like, I gotta go. <laughs> yeah. like, holy cow, I can't let this burn 45 minutes. Yeah, like, yeah. It's awesome, but you're, they're amazing people. Yeah. And it's, it's the human connection, I think, that makes the difference. And I think that is what resonates with people these days. And I think even particularly like the older folks, the folks who have already been through the websites that produce, like overproduce a lot of right. stuff and uh, had a graphics package for every little show that they did right. like we did at GT. They've done that. They've been there, they've done that. I think what ultimately is left is the connection between two human beings over something that they both love. Uh, to go a little further than that, kind of what, what I'm interested in testing now is, you know, so we have 6,000 patrons on Patreon. There's nine of us. So it's kind of like the nine of us and these 6,000 people. And then, you know, like thousands of people that just come and go and watch on YouTube. But like yeah. specifically, these are the people that are funding us. Right. And so some of them, uh, which is crazy to me, are just people that are throwing a lot of money at me, and they're like, hey, we just want you to be around us so happy. And I'm like, yeah. that's it? That's all you need? You're all right. You yeah. know? Whereas, like, there are other people that, like, definitely want to be involved. They're there for every stream. They want to be yeah, mods. Yeah. They want to be, they want to make their own, hey, I'm making my own stuff. I'm making my own art. That's I'm happened with us, videos. Yeah. And so what what is interesting to me is to try to find, like, an official means to kind of cater to that middle kind of middle group, like people yeah. that are not just viewers, that are way more engaged, but are not us and obviously are not going to be like in getting directly paid by the money that's coming from that Patreon, but I still want to make it worth their while to, to do what they're doing, but not in an official sense because you still need to approve it. Well, here's, the, here's what we do. So it's this weird kind of gray area. And you guys do have a website, so you could probably right. do this as well, is that we curate their stuff and, mm -hmm. and we have our own channel on Sifted that's called Sifted Community. And anybody who... We do not. Yeah. <laughs> we do. But yeah. so what that's we do... A, that's excellent. Yeah. Like anyone who yeah. creates a... Po I go on all their podcasts too. Like in the last week or two weeks, I've been on two Sifted Community podcasts. And that to me is what I'm most proud about that's the over best. Sifted, man. Yeah. Is seeing what we're doing, inspiring other people to create. Yes. Yeah. Like it is... It's a feeling like a no year, other. A year and a half in, it's the best feeling. For it really is, it's man. I, I celebrate their accomplishments way more than I celebrate anything that we do. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so too. it's funny. We were talking about meeting with fans. Like, it's hilarious. This, like, it's like, oh, it's good to see you. Thanks for taking the time. Well, thank you for saying hi. No, thank you for making the content. Well, thank you for being a fan. Well, thank you for saying hi. Well, thank you for... You yeah, know, yeah. Just like, can we just stop? <laughs> can we just shut up for five seconds and actually, like, talk about something relevant? Yeah, yeah exactly. We're just caught in this loop. I'm grateful. Yeah. No, I'm grateful. No, I'm grateful. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but we, fe we feature their stuff. So if we if they put up a new episode of their podcast, That's like, awesome. we'll tag it to the top of everyone's sifts. So everybody sees it. Uh, we feature it. I go on the show sometimes if I have time to do it. Um, so there are ways that yeah. you can kind of help. the. And look, it's great when I see all our normal subscribers commenting on their podcast and getting becoming a part of that just the way they are a part of Game Face. So uh, that is the most rewarding part. I mean, the community in general is just the most rewarding part of doing this, period. Yeah. Splintering off and doing your own thing and managing to build a community Angry, is, Angry Joe said something this year that was very alarming. Uh, he, <laughs> he, well, he, <laughs> surprise! <laughs> but he uh, he like really lashed out at his fans at one point, um, and uh, I can't remember what specifically it was for, but they were like they wanted something more timely, and he was like, "Hey, I'm just one person. I'm doing the best that I can." And he finished it up by saying, "I, I miss having a million subscribers." 
instead of 10 he's like, million I miss or a mill. He's like, a mill was the best. Yeah. And we have 100,000, so it's just like, yeah, oh, yeah. a good perspective. Yeah. <laughs> to, like, not, you know, not feel that desire. Like, God, we got to get bigger, bigger, bigger. It's just like, no, I, I kind of, the bigger it gets, the less I'll be able to keep in touch with these people, the less names it I'll becomes, recognize. The bigger it gets, the less personal it gets. Yeah. And there's a, definitely a sweet spot in there where, where it's like, I can still keep up yeah. and stay in touch with these people the way I want to um, and make enough money to survive essentially is what it is. And then you, I mean, everyone wants to grow. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just, if you run a business, you want your business to grow. You want it to be successful. You want to be able to survive and ultimately retire someday. So there's certain financial things that you kind of have to meet and goals that you have to set. Um, but I will say one thing, the community helps smooth over a lot of the financial stuff. <laughs> it does though. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm not making the money. I really hoped I would, but man, like, yep. I'm making way less than I did at Game Trailers, yeah. but wouldn't trade it. Wouldn't yeah. trade it for a second. I'll have those moments with Amanda. I'll like be in the kitchen. I'll be like, remember me like two years ago? And she's like, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> like I don't think about it. Yeah. Like, These are pretty great. Um, the one thing that I, I would like to see too that isn't necessarily like a, a, a technical standpoint and, de and is definitely does not fit into crowdfunding, but um, there's just a lot of solo stars now. And yeah. I'd love to see more collaborations happening. You know, people like more groups starting to become I don't famous. know how they do it. Because a lot of the groups that I know now are people that were just in the industry already and then right, got together. Right. It's you know it's it's rare that you'll hear about like a group. A collective. Yeah, yeah, it's always just like nope, I like that one person. Um, and I don't know how they do it. Like yeah, just working by themselves all day, every day, with no real communication with other humans. So yeah. Like, so even if that's how you operate and you're like, hey, I live in Indiana, I can't get out to E3, sorry. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, all right, uh, but I just I encourage people like that that have these big audiences to like try. You know, well, you sticking them together Total with another Biscuit audience and see that. what happens. I yeah, mean, definitely. With his podcast, yep. he just brings everybody in by Skype. He's yep. got them all windowed there. And it's that ch that one chance for all those YouTubers to get together yeah. and be a collective for at least three hours a week. It makes a big difference. Yeah. Like, I look forward to coming in and doing this show every week just so I'm around other people for a little bit. Because it gets yeah. so isolating. It's like, you can't put a price on human interaction and i think it goes to the root of what we're talking about with building these communities is having that personal connection with them instead of them just being an avatar yeah that posts angry stuff or post supportive stuff that you'll never really get to know um it just it changes everything it changes your perspective on work it makes you more motivated to want to work hard like we have this show that's like the bane of my existence because it always pops up in times I don't have time to work on it. But uh, it's called Community Comments where we have people write. We do a, a, put up a Patreon post and then people write comments and then I read them mm -hmm. uh, voiceover and then cut in like game Is footage. it kind of like reading mean tweets like they do in late night TV? I thought it was going to be that, but actually people have been pretty respectful. Like, uh -huh. they'll, like there'll be one or two jokey ones. They're right. like, I get, to, I get to make Brandon say something silly. Right. Uh, but a lot of them are like, hey, I'm playing this weird game you might not know about. Or like, hey, you know, I, I didn't like horizon i didn't like neo i right. didn't like dark souls 3 um and like every time i'm working on one i'm just like oh, i gotta stay up real late working on community comments people are like stop doing that show it doesn't earn you know they're like yeah. why are you still doing community comments yeah. it's like i would not give it up for the world yeah. i love it so much well, particularly if you're working on a subscription site like us or with a patreon like you guys like you gotta do it man that's the yeah. they, they deserve it yeah like they're paying for it like they deserve access is the way i look at it they're paying for access like yep. it's that's what it's really all about and like even if some people may not watch it just knowing that you're doing it yep. makes them feel good 
They're like, well, I may not watch Brandon read this stuff, but man, yeah. he's like, dude, he's like going out of his way to make sure that we feel like it's all inclusive and yeah. we're, we're a part of the family, so to speak. And uh, you can't put a price on that. It's, I do read producer credits, too, on our podcast once a month. So I read, like, 500 names you know, yeah. like all in a row. And so it's, I love going to conventions, and people are like, hi, like, you probably don't know me. I'm Simon Anderson. I'm like, Simon Anderson? <laughs> <laughs> like, I totally know you. <laughs> and it's great. great. And again, like, I, 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 if that list of names was doubled in a couple of years, like, yeah. I don't know if I could get around to reading to, to it. So it is, yeah. Yeah, it is kind of the sweet spot right now. So, so the point being, like, when we look at, you know, this July is a little light for news. Yeah. You know, it's like a it just kind of always serves to remind you that, like, things are always happening in this business and it doesn't just mean like some guy won an esports tournament it's like there's always fascinating stories happening yep. that that our our viewers are doing and i'd love to hear them and pass them along so it's uh that, that's gonna be the interesting thing in the next couple of years is that that divide between how cool am i really <laughs> as a host <laughs> as the person on camera yeah. how much can i really maintain your interest you know and and at what point should i step back and let our community get the spotlight yeah. you know and, and focus on what they're doing it's not it's not easy because you obviously can't focus on everybody at the same time so that juggling act. Yeah, like I, I like being sort of an incubation tool for content. Like yeah. I love that. Like I always tell all our subscribers, like, hey, if you have a show idea or you're doing something on YouTube that you're really proud of, send it to me because it could be really good. Yeah. I mean, it really could be something amazing. And if that's the case, like we would certainly pay them for that content and run it through all our channels and run it on Sifted and run it on our YouTube channel. Like we're all about that. I mean, there's a lot of talented people out there who just haven't had a break, haven't got a break. Uh, just maybe they didn't have the time to do it, and now they do. Like, there's a lot of opportunity for them, and it, in all honesty, sifted. You know, yeah. if they make great content that we can run and we can pay them for, it's just going to make people want to subscribe to Sifted even more. Mm -hmm. So, um, building kind of a, a business from the inside out, I think, yes. is what is really what yes. it's become instead of from the outside in. That's what I explained to my dad, who is an accountant for you know 40, 50 years. And yeah, he's just like. What? What are you doing? Like, they give us money and then we do the thing. Like, right, we don't yeah. plan it ahead of time yeah, and then yeah. hope they give us money afterwards. Yeah. He's yeah. like, what? <laughs> Does not compute. All right. I think we're ready to uh, go on to our trailer of the week. And that is your cue to start putting questions into the chat. Um, when we come back from our trailer of the week, Brandon and I will answer for a while. <laughs> I think you're probably going to have a lot. And Yay. the chat is just like rocking already. So, uh Get those questions in. Our trailer of the week this week, I think somebody on the site actually guessed what it was going to be, but it was hands down the best trailer. It is Overwatch Doomfist origin story trailer, the brand new character that was just added to Blizzard Shooter, and this is an excellent uh, hand animated. Pick. It's a great trailer. Anything, yeah, is that going to be Trailer Jones this week? I was just going to be like, uh, well, actually, we're, we're, we let the fans pick. Oh, like, again, that the community that's a good idea. So, yeah. yeah. So sometimes we, we we had fans pick one during E3 and they picked the Marvel versus Capcom like horrible one. And we were it like, doesn't always I go see what great. you did. Yeah. Oh, you think they were trolling you? Oh, well, not. I mean, they wanted to see us because we all picked Rip ones we into loved. It. So uh, we spent like we scored five trailers, being like, "Oh, I'm so good," and they were like, "Okay." They wanted you to NBC. rip into one. <laughs> I like, <laughs> you know, like that. So. I like that. All right. So anyway, here this. it is. Get those questions in the chat right now. Humanity has always been tested. Conflict and war is the crucible through which we evolve.
those who fall will be forgotten. Those who rise up, their names will be remembered forever. So Jones, that Overwatch campaign, yeah, just done quit. If you had to pick, best CG, Blizzard or Square Enix? Um, probably Blizzard. It's yeah. The day. yeah, yeah. The the first trailer for Overwatch is one of the best trailers I've ever seen. No, you're ever. right. Well, it's like ten minutes long, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like, I think yeah. Um, I think Square does pretty well. Yeah. Um, I think, I think their worlds are a little more like fully actually realized and yeah. a little less like cartoony. But uh, the storytelling from Blizzard, man. yeah, Oof. yeah, so good. Great writing, all of it. Um, man, where do we start? There's so many questions. Uh, here's one from Kadaz One. Since you're both now new business owners and have emphasized the great improvement in the communities you've built as compared to the ones you dealt with in the past with ad-based revenue models. What do you think, or what do you wish would be easier to accomplish with the models you use? I think that's not a question. Yeah. We, we keep talking about how much we like our jobs more than the jobs before. What, what, yeah. what still sucks about your job? Like, production-wise, I guess. Like, what's... Paying um, someone to do everything out of your own pocket. <laughs> uh, yeah, to me, just the, 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 there still is the fear of the unknown, you know? Yeah. It's like we've been, like I mentioned uh, our, you know, the Gundam stream working out well and that being a surprise, you know, but what if it didn't, you know? Yeah. What, what if we had five ideas in a row that were all turned down, you know, by our community? It's kind of like, okay, well, and when, well, before when you specifically run by numbers and you specifically run by ad revenue and, and how many impressions you get, that's very easy to determine it. You know, just, it okay, got to turn the wheel that way. Yeah. Because well, we're also very getting that immediate to, feedback. It's easy to tell, too, if something's going to hit with the masses or whether it's going to be like a more niche thing. And niche things aren't okay when you're working at a place like GT. Niche things can actually be really extremely endearing. Like mm -hmm. we were talking about with your the fan stuff that you read. Mm -hmm. It's like not everyone will watch it, but even if they don't watch it, they appreciate that you're doing it. Yeah. Um, and when you work at a big company like GT, like you just it doesn't matter. All yeah. that matters is the bottom line. At the end of the day, I had to go into meetings with the finance guy and the sales and marketing people and either we were hitting our numbers or we weren't. Yeah. <laughs> and like, there was no like, well, wow, we really built like our community. Like, right. <laughs> I don't care about any of that, man. They're like, all I care about is how many dollars we made. Yeah. Like, what's the EBITDA for like this quarter? <laughs> and I'm just like, uh, uh, everyone really likes us and we like them. Like that just doesn't fly in corporate America, uh, sadly. I think also the buck stops with us. So like, yeah. there, there was, you know, like when your boss is crappy to you, it sucks, but you can also just blame your boss, you know? Yeah, yeah. There's a kind of that, <laughs> that comfort of just like, hey, it's out of my hands. Whereas yeah. like, it isn't out of my hands. And so sometimes yeah. there are people have been like, hey, you don't do that anymore. And I'm like, no. And they're like, you can do it again? I'm like, no. No. Yeah. Like, but I really want you to. I'm like, no, <laughs> sorry. I think the big problem, the biggest problem for me has been drawing a line between paying someone to do something or just doing it myself. Oh, yeah. And as a small business owner, you tend to err on the, I'll just do it myself. And you just end up working way too much. Yep. And I don't know how you ever kind of find that voice in the back of your head saying, pay somebody to do it. I, I don't know where that ever comes in. It still hasn't come in for me. Uh, so I always err on the side of like, I'll just do it. Because telling someone or teaching someone else how to do it and then paying them to do it, I could have just done it. Yeah. And I actually, I've done that throughout my entire career. Even at GT, I was like that. Like, oh, we're working on this project and I'm neck deep in it, but I don't have any more time to do it. Oh, I could get somebody else to do it, but it would take me two hours to bring them up to speed on where we are. And in that amount of time, I could finish this and get it done. And so I would always just finish it. So 
I think it just gets harder whenever it's just you and you're the mm -hmm. business owner and kind of you're the, the last full stop. Yeah. Uh, it makes it even more difficult to kind of err on the side of spending money because yeah. you're a small business and like every dollar counts. You're like, well, I could spend that money on a new show or whatever yeah. or new equipment or whatever. So I think that's been what's the most difficult for me. Um, unfashionable. If you could send a message back in time before starting Sifted or Easy Allies, what advice would you give yourself? Uh, hmm. Some of the stuff you probably can't even talk about. Yeah, uh, it would be so specific. I don't know yeah. if there's one general lesson. It would be a list of stuff. <laughs> don't do this. Don't do this. Yeah. This is a mistake. Because, like, again, expectations are, like, everything now of just, like, what we tell people we're going to do and what we end up doing. Yeah. And so out of the gate, there were some stuff. I was, like, totally going to do that. And then a month later, it was, like, I can't. And I didn't know until I got into the day-to-day yeah. the, the, the -day work grind of this to know, like, ah, oh, that's just not worth it. Um, and thankfully we have the most amazing community. And so they, um, uh, were totally fine with making adjustments here and there, but yeah. like it's still, it, uh, burnt a little bit. The one thing I would do undoubtedly is right from launch, make the community free. Uh, because we launched, it was like $10 a year to mm -hmm. just be a part of the community and then 30 a year. And then that ended up going up for premium. And I think what it did is like, it just like made a lot of people assume that sifted costs money period mm -hmm. and there's no way to go back and re-message it so right when you launch and you have people like adam sessler and morgan webb sending like these huge mountains of traffic to your site you have that first chance to make a first impression yep. and the first impression that everyone had of sifted and still has is that i can't use that site unless i pay money it hasn't been that way in forever but there's no way to get that back you can't get day one back. And I think that's been a huge detriment to the site from the beginning, is that people still have it in the back of their mind. I think probably half of my, more than half of my followers on Twitter probably still think Sifted costs money mm -hmm. for everything. And that was a huge mistake. Like the amount of money that we made off the $10 subscribers, the whole idea was we didn't want just anybody on the site. We wanted to protect our community and make it a great place where people had skin in the game so yeah. that they wouldn't come and be jerks. Right. And it would make sure that everyone had a great community to be a part of. Well, what we found is the site just organically attracted good people. So the $10 payment, one, we didn't make hardly any money off of it. And two, it didn't really alter whether we had good people or bad people on the site. Good people just found the site anyway. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, even like at E3, like I was at PAX Party, and uh, people were coming up and be like, oh, you know, your problem is you're 100% subscription. And I'm like, we're not. And they're like, you're not. And I'm like, we're not. And that setting that precedent right out of the gate, I think that's just in general. The biggest thing I've learned is that day one is so damn important, yeah. man. I mean, it is. Well, that's why the SWE3 is so electric because it's it just like the, you, you don't get to announce your game a second time. Yeah. Like you, you know. can't take any of it back. Like if you make changes from day one, most of the people will never know you changed it. You have that one chance. And uh, so in general, I think I would have just changed a lot about that day one if I could go back and do it again. So, Like I love, like I bumped into Jade Raymond at EA. Like I have so much respect for her. I yeah. think she's great. She's had a fantastic career. The, 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 the pain in her voice when she sighed during that initial Assassin's Creed demo. When yeah. It, when it, like, when she was like, <laughs> like, I like yep. the noise she made. Like I cannot get that out of my head. Right. You know, like, so it's just, yeah, these... These First impressions ups, mean a lot. They don't go anyway. Yep. Um, let's see. Uh, from Looney on the Loose. Hey guys, niche question. 
There was an episode of The Final Bossman in which Huber was Kyle's boss. Right. I was never certain if that was a gag or was Huber actually in charge of him for a while because that's even more funny. <laughs> uh, no, any, anything done in Final Bossman universe was all, uh, it's all, gag. Was all make-believe, yeah. Yep. Uh, here's one from Justin Horman. Hi, Dr. Jones. With these homemade Switch mode, Sheikah Switch mod, SNES-style Joy-Cons, what's the holdup for more officially branded Switch accessories? Is Nintendo missing out here, or are they just playing it safe so that they're not stuck with a bunch of unsold stuff? What kind of stuff would you two like to see made? Uh, I think they're playing it safe with everything. Like we were talking about, not, not even dealing with Netflix yet. They're just yeah. like, we just don't need it. So let's let's focus on other things right now. Well, I think they want people. One, they want to people to look at Switch as a console, <laughs> like really badly. Yeah. I think it, Nintendo's really nervous that people are going to look at Switch as a handheld because people have kind of written off mm -hmm. video game handhelds. Most people look at it like I'll just use my smartphone. Right. And so I think Nintendo's really afraid that people are going to look at the Switch as a handheld first. And so it's really pushed that. That message of it's a console, it's a console, and it's I, a console. I second guess it all the time too because I talk about games like something will come out and we're like, oh, that's cool. Probably not on Switch though, right? Yeah, because <laughs> like we we know like this, we, we're not sure where that ceiling yeah. is, but yeah, you're right. Some games it's just yeah, not going to happen. But I think that market is really a cottage industry right now. It's really small. Um, I don't think that Nintendo is missing out on a ton of money right now. I mean, those new Joy-Con colors they put out, even though I think they're heinous, like they sell they sell like crazy. I mean, those crazy arms colors yeah. and the Splatoon colors. I don't want them, but a lot of people do. Um, would I love to see like an SNES style Joy-Con? Hell yeah. yeah. NES style Joy-Con? <laughs> Hell yeah. N60? Yeah. Give it to me. Um, but I think right now people are just happy if they can actually get the damn thing. Yeah. Like they don't care whether they get the blue and the red one or the all gray one. They're just like, if I can find one, I'll buy it. Um, eventually that's going to subside. They're going to catch up with demand. They're going to have stock in stores. Then people will start looking at like, well, what alternative colors can I get? What other controllers can I get? Uh, it's smart for a lot of these smaller guys to kind of be getting into it now mm -hmm. um, because right now they're kind of establishing their business and when people actually start looking for that stuff, their stores are going to look professional, uh, they're going to look their products are going to look professional. So they're wise to get into it early, I think, but as far as making a ton of money off of it or Nintendo leaving money on the table, I, I don't think so much. Yeah. That's what I would say. Uh, let's see, uh, Eric Estrada 12, what are your thoughts about PSX being on in August this year? Will there be another one in December in the States? Did I know that? I don't think I knew that. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't think I, I saw that, I saw where it was. Yeah. Um, because that's a big deal. Yeah. I was like, oh, please be in Anaheim again. But, yeah. uh, wow, yeah, I had no idea that that was in August. What yeah. weekend in August? Oh my goodness. I don't know. I don't know what the exact date is. Um, uh -oh. to answer the question though, do you... Is it a big deal uh, that it's in August instead of December? Uh, for me personally. Yeah. <laughs> August is a busy month. Um, yeah, because December things had kind of died down at that point. And actually, I loved it because it would actually get us through some December shows when there was nothing going sure. on. <laughs> but uh, It will be weird, yeah, not having that one last big hurrah event, you know, for yeah. the end of the year. But Yeah, because it's always kind of like the Game Awards, PSX, kind of back-to-back within, like, that same week period of each other. There's always a nice way to cap off the year. I mean, the there's, there's got to be one or two specific titles is the reason they're doing yeah. that. Because they're like... Well, oh, I think why they're doing it is, be, is strategic. Because I think Sony wants to get on people's radars before Q4 instead of after Q4. Right. I mean, PSX, they do show a couple new games usually... But for the most part, they're showing games that like just came out. Yeah. 
And it's like in December, it's too late. You've already missed Black Friday. I just think Sony's trying to get its upcoming products or its Q4 products in front of the eyes of people so that when they go to buy stuff on Black Friday, they remember all Sony's products and they yeah. spend more on them. At least that's what I think. It's, it's interesting. It is a dead zone, but I kind of used to appreciate it because it was in that dead zone and yeah. it was a time where it was like, okay, nothing's happening right now so all of us can give our full undivided... I mean, other than like Game of the Year awards. Like right, everyone's right. freaking out about that. Yeah. And, you know, getting all of those videos together. But um, uh, I can really give you my undivided attention because you're not, you know, competing with anything else this week. August is okay, so though. The, the ending, it's it, like, it is. It's right like, before everything starts to get insane. Yeah, PAX, that first weekend of September. Yeah. And yeah. Well, then um, Q4, the games you start rolling in, and then it's just right. all about just playing games and talking about them. So, it'd be, so it'd be interesting to look at, you know, kind of after PSX is done and kind of look at the lineup and be like, yeah, I think it might have been that game right there. Yeah, <laughs> or like yeah. one of these one or two things that they were like, we really, we got to promote that. We're not going to have enough time at E3 uh, to give it that special attention. Yep. Uh, let's see what else we got. Um, sea Crawl is the future of single-player games in Jeopardy. Outside of first-party exclusives, it seems that every publisher is putting out less single-player games and focusing on service-based games, a la Destiny, Anthem, Overwatch, etc. No, I just think we're seeing a lot of attempts of the bigger companies to try to to, to get to try to make a League of Legends, you know, to try to uh, um, uh, have something that. Uh, can be that persistent, like an Overwatch, that it's just like, are we ever getting Overwatch 2? I don't know. <laughs> ever? <laughs> you know, yeah, it's like, probably it not. Do, it does seem like a game that yeah. could just live, you could just keep going forever and ever. I mean, games um, as a platform, I mean, all the big part, all the big third-party publishers, that's what they're pushing for. Yeah. And so I think uh, it's just a new risk. It's just something that they want to try. But like, I think an even bigger risk uh, would be to completely pull out of a genre, especially of a, from a, a dev or a publisher that you're known for. So yeah, like, have we seen the end of Tomb Raider? I don't think so. Like, yeah. You know, I don't know. I, I do kind of see his point. I see it going that direction um, because these are the games that generate all the money. Yeah. I mean, that's really what it's coming down to. I mean, most games flop, sadly. Um, and these publishers, they're kind of like how it was at GT. It's all about what's the EBITDA for this quarter. Like, right. that's how they look at it. And they have all the numbers right there in front of them. We don't get to see, like, the full MPD reports anymore yeah. uh, like we used to. Remember how I used to get those? Those were juicy every time. <laughs> I loved them, yeah. We had, like, anonymous people. <laughs> I had anonymous people sending me the MPD report every month. And then we'd, I'd take it right on Invisible <laughs> I think I got, like, the person busted. But anyway, uh, we don't have that data anymore. But they do have it. And mm. so um, I think that their businesses are largely... Profit-driven. I think you're even seeing it with Nintendo. I mean, look at this shift in focus to games like Arms mm -hmm. and Splatoon. Yeah. They're trying to build their games as a platform, and then I mean, Nintendo's bold enough to sell it for sixty bucks and then create the platform, like right. kind of like Destiny. Yeah. Um, and then keep making those profits, get the people hooked on the games, and get them hooked into the community, and then keep releasing the DLC and the cosmetics and things like that to keep the the revenue flowing in. So. I do see it headed that way. I don't. I agree with Brandon. I don't think we'll ever get to a place where there are no single-player campaigns anymore. But I do think we'll get to a place where you're like, damn, another game doesn't have one. <laughs> right. Well, and they were already kind of getting there now. Uh, yeah, I think it's. Uh, I think it's just more telling when you see company. We see like you know, Cliffy B getting making Lawbreakers law or Epic, you know, getting into Paragon and yep. um, or Fortnite. I mean, does Fortnite have Fortnite a real well, campaign? Yeah. Like, yeah. it doesn't look like it. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's kind of the more telling tale about seeing these uh, developers having made stuff like this. But again, I, I I don't see it as like we're putting all of our eggs into that basket. It's just like let's just try it. Yeah, you know, because why wouldn't you if uh, if it's working out so well for so many other people? Uh, Headingham J, have the two of you thought about any collaboration projects for the future? 
We've never talked about it. No. Uh, I we could do an easy allies cross sifted something or other. We could. Uh, it's it's tricky. Like the the most I think we have, like have the energy for right now is I've been talking with um, uh, you know we go way back with Craig and the guys at Screw Attack and Game Attack. Yeah. And we were just like let's just some night we'll just do like two v two something. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, so we like yeah, a head to head gameplay up. type thing. Yeah. Um, but actually, like physically getting together like to do stuff is it's it's tough. Yeah. Everybody is so damn busy. Well, it's like the schedules are all over the place. I mean, that's the drawback of doing what we do is that. There, other than being here right. every Friday at noon to do this show, like everything else is just all helter-skelter. Right. As far as like when things get done, like some nights I work until like 4 in the morning, some nights I get exhausted, I pass out at like 10. Uh, so no formal plans to do something, but it's something we should maybe think about. It's something I'm always thinking about, and something that uh, is, is tough because it's like right now I'm, I'm like, you know, on camera a lot, and I'm also editing a lot and you know, producing videos and running the company, but... Uh, uh, hopefully, at some point, I can kind of, kind of step away from some of those responsibilities that people are used to, and like do more of that. Like do yeah. more. Um, uh, I tried this E3 to kind of shift more into that role of just like actually like going and connecting with people. Yeah. And, um, uh, What's good games is another one. Andrea and, and the guys, oh, like yeah. their new group, that yeah. just like totally makes sense uh, to do something with them because they're great. So yeah, we'll see. Thank you. Yeah, always, always suggest that. Always bring that stuff up. Uh, let's see. Lots of people saying I should come on one of your shows. Yay! Well, it's uh, when we get a studio too. Like that's the other yeah, thing. Yeah. So, like, uh, here's one from Hippie Two Thousand. What provide an update on the old school Invisible Walls members? Where did they end up? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know where two of them are. Yeah. They're sitting right here. Um, we talked earlier about Ryan Stevens. He had a baby. Right. And uh, with someone he used to work with at GT, yep. one of our video editors, they had a secret romance going on for like two years. It was still a secret to me, even after everyone knew. I like oh, found out. I found out just in passing. Dude, a conversation I was so one day, mad was like, when what? I found out about <laughs> it, and like, especially when like the girls that we worked with were like, "Oh, you didn't know? Like it's been going on for like two years." And I'm like, "What? How did I not know that? I felt like an idiot." So anyway, they ended up. They're not married though, are they? I don't think they've got married yet. Uh, I do not know. I don't think so, yeah. But they had a baby. Um, so he's, he was kind of Mr. Mom for a while. And then he got a job at Yahoo, working at Yahoo Esports. And uh, he was just laid off. So he's currently looking for a position. Miguel Lopez, we talked about earlier. He went, after he left GT, he went and worked at Wiki. Right. Um, worked there for a long time. And then left there to work on Glixel, which was just basically dissolved this past week. So now he's also looking for a job. Justin Spear mm -hmm. went into consulting. Yes. Um, and I think he reached out to me whenever my father and my sister died. And and I asked him what he was up to, and he said he was not consulting anymore, and he was looking for something. But that was now mm. six or seven months ago, so I don't know what he's up to. Justin was fun because I, I right when we started out, I was like, hey, if you want to come buy something for Easy Allies. And he's like, I can't. I was like, was oh, are you busy? He's like, with my job, I can't. Yeah, it's a conflict I was like, of interest. Oh, <laughs> I tried to get him to come on because a lot of people well. reached out. They're like, you should have Justin on. I'm like, I, I can't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I tried to get him on uh, Game Face as well, and he said the same thing. It's a conflict of interest. He's like, you don't want me there because I can't be honest either. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to tell you everything's awesome, and I'm like, all right, I get it. Um, Patrick Morales went and worked at Riot. I don't know if he's still there. I don't think so. I remember he had a kind of a tough transition getting in there. Did he? Um, but. Uh, Riot's tough. <laughs> I, I would imagine, yeah. I would imagine it's a very unique company. 
But I know he worked there for a while because mm-hmm. he asked for like a reference or whatever. They never did call me or anything, but he asked if it would be okay if they called, and I was like, "Well, hell yeah, you were amazing. Yeah. Like, I'll totally pump you up." Um, and then who else is there? That was Rich Brown. Right. He works at like NBC Universal now. Does some voiceover here and there. He does voiceover for games, and he did voiceover on Skullgirls, and I think he just voiced the new game too. I just saw he posted something on Facebook about that. But he's working at NBC, like uh, handling. Transferring their shows, I believe, from the network to digital. Mm-hmm. That's what he told me the last time I talked to him. Um, who else is there? Hoffman was on oh, Hoffman. every now and then. He's yeah. into Epic doing on After stuff I left, real. he was on more. Yeah. Um, and pretty much everybody else from GT is now at Epic. Right. Da- yeah. <laughs> Daniel, Daniel Kaiser, Megan Rue, Jeremy Hoffman. Is that it? Uh, yeah, I mean, for like a year, all my friends moved to North Carolina. They all like, moved every, to North like, Carolina. For multiple yeah. different reasons. And that was when I uh, was at Defy, and um, a lot of Defy was in North Carolina as well. So yeah. I was like, what happened? Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of them moved out there, and I think that's probably it as far as most of the people that were on IW. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Marcus, obviously. You guys all know. He, uh, he has health issues still, by the Mark's way. Mark's had a hell of a year. Yeah. I gave him a big hearty hug when I saw him at E3. I was afraid to give him a big hug. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not kidding. Yeah. Like, I gave him a very light hug. I wanted to give him a big bear hug, but I seriously, I mean, the night before, he had gone to some party, and the bass from the music made it, gave him heart problems. Oh, man. So. I can't imagine. Yeah. Keep Marcus in your thoughts, by the way. He's having a tough go of it. I mean, he, obviously, he survived the heart attack and everything, but he's not doing great right now so uh keep him in your thoughts if you if you could whatever you do to try to make people have a better life do that do that for marcus do it harder yeah uh let's see um erebus jones did do you guys subscribe to any paper-based game media what and why or why not no yeah (laughs) Nintendo Power is one of the ones that I always just kind of step out of the conversation. Like, I was never, ever, ever into Nintendo Power. I mean, I did. In the past, I had subscriptions yeah. to tons of mags. EGM. One and only. All EGM. Day. All day, every I day. had Nintendo Power. Um, yeah. I had Game Pro. I had Next Generation Magazine for a while. I remember buying them at the airport was a huge deal. If I was, like, going to get on a plane, yeah, that's yeah. when I would get caught up on Game Pro. I never Pro subscribed to Game Informer ever, which is the one that has lasted all this time. <laughs> yeah. I've never subscribed to them for some reason. Um, and then as far as websites I subscribe to... Um, there's a Pittsburgh sports website that I subscribe to, um, but I think that's about it. Yeah, none for me. Yeah. Let's see. What I, I get else? most of our gaming news on our podcast, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> What'd you say? I get most of our news on our podcast. Oh, yeah. Kyle literally says that this happened. I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> that's what happens when I you're recording away. I know that weekly update. Yep. Uh, from Oh God You Use. Oh God Use, I think. Uh, gossipy question here for Brandon. What's the most heated argument you've had with any ally since it started? Um, oh, here's a good one. Uh, and you can actually go back and look at the stream if you want to. We streamed Star Trek Bridge Crew. And, Great game to stream. Uh, and I was in the was playing PSVR, and we didn't have enough time to get the, the move controllers uh, charged up, so I was playing on the uh, the PS4 controller, which is totally viable, it actually. It is, yeah, it's, it's great. It, yeah. Like, it, it actually, you can do things a little bit quicker. Yeah. Because uh, you don't have to worry about, like, the depth of right. how far you are from the board. Um, and I didn't know how to switch people. And I was like, how do, how do I switch? And they were like, come on, Jones, come on, switch. And I was like, I, I, I got the heads on. I'm like, I don't know how to, I literally have no idea how to do it, guys. <laughs> I'm like, can somebody on the phone look it up? Anybody? I'm like, nobody would, and they were all still kind of joking. And I was like... 
okay. And then, like, we finished that. And then, like, <laughs> Bossman, like, puts it on. And he's like, all you got to do is turn the guy and press the X button. And I was like, one of you could have looked it up on your phones while I had a thing on my face. And maybe helped me out a little bit. Because I was playing on, you know, camera. Right. And so, like, when the stream was over, I was just like, that really pissed me off, FYI. And, like, and I think that was the only time we had yelled cut. We had literally, like, turned the camera off. And I turned to everybody. I was like, what the hell? Like, yeah. I have, by the way, just taken two seconds to just look it up. I worked with Brandon for seven years, and I don't think I ever rare, saw you yeah. angry. It rarely, rarely. I don't happens. think I ever saw you angry. Ever. It's fun to do it with the allies every now and then because we have such a good time together that it's fun to just be like, hey, uh, like one one example was we had our. Um, uh, uh, the guys live all over the place, and we again, like I was saying, we we plan shoots, but there's traffic or you know stuff happens. Yeah. But like we had our uh, one year anniversary show, and we like like booked a venue and like rehearsed and did all this stuff. And like two days before the show, I was like, if one of you is late, I will kill you with my bare hands. Like, I got <laughs> super serious. I'm like, you have I will no strangle you because you're, you're, I'm like, you guys are late. And it's like, yeah, but there was traffic. I'm like, there's no oh, there's no excuse. Oh, oh. You leave two hours early for this, and you could see kind of their eyes. They're like, whoa, yeah. Jones needs it. <laughs> Yeah, if you get angry, yeah. you know yeah. something's gone wrong. That's for sure. If I ever saw you angry, I'd be like, oh, shit. <laughs> something happened big time. Uh, Axel F, 1986. Would you ever penalize a game for being too long, i.e. Persona 5? Uh, depends on, like, if you're bravely default and you, although I actually didn't mind that, but I know a lot yeah. of people griped about it that, like, makes you play it, like, four times. Yeah. Um, That's not good. Yeah. <laughs> depends what you're doing. I think Persona 5 was a weaker game because of how long it was. Did you I play think, the whole thing? I did. Oh, yeah, wow. I finished it. Yeah. Oh, I'm, still, I'm like six or it seven was hours d- in. It was dumb. I should have not <laughs> done it. It hurt. I, it, honestly, it hurt our website, me playing that game. Because I wasn't putting out other content because right? I was playing Persona 5. Yeah. And like after you talk about it like twice on Game Face, it's like I can't talk about it anymore. Yeah. And I couldn't, spoil stuff, I couldn't yeah. give up. I was just like, I'm too deep. I'm like, I, I've got to make it to the finish line. And so I finished that game. And I honestly think it would have been a better game if it were only like 70 hours long right. instead of like 100. Right. It also gives you like all these false positives at the end where you think the game's going to end. Uh. And you like beat that part. You're like, ah. And then if cutscene happens, oh, hey, we got some more for you here. I'm like, oh, no, I, I can't do it. So, yeah, I, in that game in particular, it was too long for its own good. I, like, I know it's, it's, it's really cheesy sometimes when games do this, when they're like, by the way, we're about to end now. And you're like, okay, game, thanks. Yeah, yeah. But I do kind of <laughs> like that. I do kind of like, like, I know we throw a lot of crazy things at you now. What you're about to do is clearly the ending. And it's like, thanks, good. Yeah. Let me just get a beverage. and Okay. You know, like just you can get, you know, prep for it. Yeah. Because that, that sucks when you hit credits and you're like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I didn't know that was it. Yeah. All right, let's see if we got some more here. We're going to wrap it up here pretty soon, though. Um, German efficiency. With Sifted and Easy <laughs> I love that. With Sifted and Easy Allies not being the typical, quote, unquote, loud influencers in the gaming space, what kind of collaborations would each of you like to see to bring shared interests together? Or communities, I think, is what I'd like to bring together. Because I think they're like-minded people Definitely. who have the same passion for games, and they're not juvenile trolls. <laughs> I mean, really. Like, more than anything, like, our community should unite. They're two peas in a pod. I mean, I'm sure there's already a lot of crossover people who support one and support both or whatever, but I'm sure there's some people that don't, and I think they should all be friends. Like, what? Yeah. They, they, you guys are just like each other. You guys should all be buddies. Like, well, one thing, uh, one thing that uh, uh, I love Patreon, the company. Patreon is, is great. It's super easy to set up with. They've only been nothing but great to us. Patreon.com 
is not the greatest website in the no, world. Not really. Uh, How they can actually, it not be, though? They actually just uh, redesigned. And so there's a lot of ideas that we've had that were like, oh, let's do this. And like, oh, we can't do that through the website. So it'd be really interesting to have some kind of voting or polling or some kind of system run through Sifted, you know, for yeah. like some big event that we did yeah. um, to, to, to get uh, user feedback. We can so. set up polls anytime you want. Just let us know. Uh, let's see. And that was my trainer, by the way. So thanks uh, to Sean. For that was what? German efficiency. Well. Oh. It's the guy I trained with this morning. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, well, he was glad to walk into the air conditioning after working with you today. Oh, yeah. Uh, stupid Proz one What's the craziest thing that happened to you guys at Game Trailers? Craziest yeah. thing? At, there's so many crazy things at Game Man. Trailers. Well, I mean, my Game Trailers extends past when right. we were gone. Yeah. I mean, honestly, one of the crazy last things was I get a call from Keeley one night where he's like, yeah, I got Kojima coming in tomorrow. Can we uh, hang out at Game Trailers? And I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> what answer were you expecting to that yeah, question? Yeah, no, just keep that dude out. And so Kojima and company came by and yeah. he shot a, a, a bit with Liquid Bossman. Kyle came out like in the Liquid Oh, yeah, I remember that. Wig, yeah, and, like, yeah. Oh, like, I remember that. And, like, yeah. yeah, that was pretty nuts. Yeah, I mean, I think the craziest thing that ever happened to me personally was living with Team Ninja for two weeks. To shoot that documentary. Do you remember that? Yeah. It's like one of the first things I did when I started working there after we had kind of established ourselves. Uh, I just lived with Team Ninja for like two weeks in Japan and it was just. I can't even. I can't talk about a lot of the stuff that happened. I can't. Like. <laughs> those guys are crazy. <laughs> but. Uh... Uh, that was when Itagaki still ran Team Ninja. It's much more tame now that Hay Hayashi san is like leading it. Man. And they, I can't, I can't even say anything about it. That's not even just the craziest thing about GT. That's one of the craziest things of my life, <laughs> being awesome. around those guys. And they are all VIPs in Japan, so everywhere you went, it's just like you got the best table, you got the best whatever. And that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> uh, let's see. Easy Allies versus Sifted Mud Wrestling. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> People are now yeah. suggesting things for collaboration, yep, yep, yep. so... That was the first thing that came to my mind, I know. Yep. All right, we'll answer two more if I can find them. I think people are just having fun in the chat now. They're not asking questions anymore. Um, another one from Erebus Jones. Will we ever get an Advance Wars sequel? Oh, who knows? <laughs> uh, will we get that on the Switch? Yeah. I, I think not. I don't think we ever will, yeah. actually. It didn't sell well. Even though a lot of us loved it, it didn't sell well. Um, w. Matthew, here's the last one. On YouTubers lacking an office space, a group of gaming or YouTube, a group of gaming YouTubers, Twitch streamers share a space in LA. What do you think of that as a compromise between self-employment but still getting human contact? Yeah, so that's something that hasn't happened because <laughs> there is the YouTube space, like there is right. a, a studio they can go to to shoot stuff. Yeah. Um, there are lots of off because I was looking for office spaces when we launched Sifted. There are lots of collaborative office spaces in Los Angeles where mm. they try to get like-minded people. Like there's ones for just like digital businesses. There's mm -hmm. ones for just artists uh, and stuff like that. Um, but they're really expensive. Like it's like literally. Well, here's a desk with a work terminal for like two thousand dollars a month. Yeah. And they're like, but you have a juice or a juice bar, yeah, and right, like, right. like I toured so many of those. And what they do is that, like, they put like 
an ad up that says starting at blah, blah, blah. And then you go in and you find out that the starting at, I'm not exaggerating, is literally a closet. It is a closet without a window with a computer terminal in it. And then when you get there, they don't even show you those at first. Like they show you like the big ones. And then you keep asking them like, well, how much is this a month? How much? And they won't tell you. And then finally, you're just like, yo, like how much is the rent per month? They'll be like, oh, like 6000 You're just like, for one person, like three people? Like, right. so yeah, those, those types of work environments, they are great. And you are around a bunch of other creative people who are smart and blah, right. blah, blah. But most of those people that are in there work at startups that have VC money. Sure. And I think it's less, yeah, it's less about living together, but more about like appearing on camera with other people. Yeah. Because I think um, it's interesting that we're getting kind of like culture clashes with a lot of YouTubers, like like they will say something randomly or offensive, and you're like, oh, I didn't know you thought that way or said that thing. Yeah. And I think you could get a lot of that out if you worked with a group and uh, you had kind of those checks and balances live, or you, you, you had that, uh, you're on a podcast at least every week with a bunch of people so you can get into a gaming discussion because... Um, yeah, I just don't think any one person is that interesting just in and of themselves, yeah, right. you know, to maintain a massive community for so long. I mean, you're clearly, right. well, I'm clearly I'm wrong because there's many people that are doing it on YouTube. But just, yeah. uh, but for me, I think what we, you know, what they lack and what you know, the conversations that you typically don't get into is like, hey, learn this crazy new thing this week that I didn't know. Well, I think that also their audiences are different from the audiences that we are trying to build. Right. It's like a lot of the people that follow it, they're kids, you know. Yeah. I mean, kids. That doesn't work for us. Right. Like, they're kids who don't spend any money, and they watch this stuff for free on YouTube. Like, we have to pay the bills. Right. Uh, we have to have people who are at least old enough to have a job or whatever. So, uh, it's apples and oranges, really, I think, in a lot of ways. But uh, I guess it does work for some of them. But I think, again, their their audience is much younger. And There there are people that I follow that are YouTube Twitch stars that I think have a great personality and, and are very charismatic, and I love watching them. I And I wish their world experience broadened a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Okay, I think that's it, people. Brandon Jones. Yeah, thanks, good brother. Times. Thanks for great show, me. man. Great discussion. Good people. Good times. Great chat, by the way, from all you guys. Definitely saw an increase in folks from uh, the Easy Allies posse. So thanks for joining in. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. We're here every uh, Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific for Game Face. And uh, I think Matt will be back next week. He's been on vacation. But glad we had a break to uh, bring you in and uh, chat with you a little bit about games, man. And a lot of other stuff, too. Yeah. Uh, So it's been amazing. Thanks, everybody. Um, We'll be back next week with Matt around 1 o'clock on Friday. Until then, Game Face is up and out. (laughs) 